This is where you need to edit a sales card. This holy <laughs> moment has been brought to you by the Plastic Posse Podcast. <laughs> is that Massachusetts? M-A? I just get these wrong. M-A-M-S. M-O-M-I. There's a lot of M words. I'm going to pause for one second. Does anyone else hear that? John, are you 3D printing something? Yeah, I'm sorry. Can I, <laughs> I, I was like, I wasn't going to comment. <laughs> I, I knew something. I was like, is there a printer going? No, you don't have to. We're, we're going to mess up his 20-hour print in the 17th <laughs> yeah. hour. Man. It's literally a 20-hour print, and I have three hours to go. No, dude. Oh, leave, no, leave, no, leave, leave it going. Leave it going. Leave it going. No, no, no. 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 Sorry, <laughs> like, all right. You know what? I'll just, I'll, just, I'll just 3D print some hefty brackets out of white. No, PTE. And yeah. PLA, sorry. And <laughs> First world problems when you're interviewing a model or you're like, <laughs> Man, are you are, are you 3D printing something? <laughs> Come on. Uh. Welcome to episode 75, listeners. We're so excited to come back to you after the IPMS Nationals in San Marcos, Texas. We're super excited to talk to you about the event, who we met, and all the great times that were had, and what what we look forward to in 2024. But before we get to that, I want to introduce my co-host for today. And with that, I have Scott, Doug, Grant, special guests, Jim, Aaron, and Mike. So how is everybody doing? And I'll start with our first guest, Mike. Hi, everybody. Doing good, recovering from the trip, and uh, kind of excited to get working on something. Outstanding. I think that'll be a uh, common theme across everyone today. Next, we're going to go over to Aaron, who is in a BMW, uh, just hanging out on the side of the road. Uh, He cares about the plastic posse that much. He pulled over during his daily routine to Kroger and decided to join us for this episode. So Aaron, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Sean. Uh, It's hard to believe it's already been a week since Nats. It's just uh, still... uh on that high from visiting all you guys and visiting all our friends and some great modeling, great vendor room, great company. So uh sat down this morning before I went out to run errands and built a little bit on a model and that felt good too. So Outstanding. Couldn't agree more. And our last guest coming to us because he's been exiled from the Plastic Model Mojo. We have Mr. Jim Bates, Scale Canadian TV from the Pacific Northwest. How are you today, sir? I'm finally caught up on my sleep. That's another common theme. Uh, how how about the everything make it back in one piece? All the all the purchases. I I did good. I've actually already been uh, got my clean slate build uh, almost ready for primer. So I'm not sure who this guy is in my head right now, but he's building models and it's awesome. Love it. I do think you left one thing in Texas, and coincidentally, we discovered what it was while we started recording. So this morning when I woke up, I remembered that Kentucky Dave handed me headphones because he objects I never record with headphones. And he gave them to me 
And then um, I don't remember where they went afterwards. And apparently after three bourbons at the Moj room, I moved to the Posse room, where I then had three more drinks and apparently left them there. And they are being used by uh, my co-host today, Nukeman Mike. So I'm glad they, they found a good home. I'm just a fool. I mean, they are being used for the purpose in which they were given to you for. So I, I think that's a win. Maybe just not on the, uh, the the person that Dave assumed would be wearing them. Well, yeah. and, and Mike does make them look good. I mean, you have to admit. Oh, killer, 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 killer. If only our listeners could see it. So with that, I'm going to go over to Grant, a little bit south, but staying on the West Coast. Sir, how are you today? What is going on in SoCal? Uh, not much. I'm like caught up with sleep, caught up with work after a week. You know, I just wonder if Mike's part of the Moj now because he has the headphones on. But uh, <laughs> other than that, I started working on a 135th scale crow. So I'm happy. Awesome. You know, I was planning on buying one of those and Brian Krieger said, oh yeah, let's go on a group order since they're out. And then he went back to the vendor room and promptly bought the last one. So I, I don't know how to take that one. I'm still, I'm still recovering, but thanks BK. Yeah, I think that uh, was his plan. I think they just, like, yeah. just got you. Savaged me. That's fine. That's fine. So Doug, how's it going over in Utah? Utah is very good. Um, it's been about 20 degrees cooler than San Marcos was and a lot less humidity. So it feels wonderful. Happy to be home, happy to sleep in my own bed again, and uh, actually have set up a little queue for what I want to finish on the bench. And the first kit I'm going to do is my bounce back build. That sounds great. So lastly, but not certainly not least, our head honcho, Scott, your neighbor, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. JB uh, got, a, you know, surrounded again by uh, my friends. And uh, we're definitely going to be talking about that. But it's always amazing to me how fast that these nationals come and uh, how quickly they get there. They almost kind of take you by surprise. But uh, that that can't even compare, you know, even a little bit to how fast they go. You know, we were up at seven in the morning and we're going till one, two, three o'clock in the morning. And then we're getting up and doing it again. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into that here in the show. But, you know, before we get started on all the topics that we're going to cover, I just want to say say to JB, to Rob Booth, to to Len, to Stan, to the team at San Marcos. Job well done, man. I, I just, uh, fantastic. From the opening bell, to the tours, to the seminars, to the mariachi bands, to broadcasting the IPMS awards ceremony for the very first time on social media. It was just fantastic and uh, just uh, just job well done. Had Had a blast. Yeah, certainly I echo those sentiments. The Texas team, 10 out of 10 all the way around. And we'll we'll discuss the show in depth. I'll I'll just finish this off. I'm doing well. I, I got the new SDKF said 251, uh, the 116th one, and I've been working on that since the Nats, uh, making really good progress on that. Fantastic hit. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But the show, as as Scott and everyone else has mentioned, has been truly great. We're starting to recharge our batteries, I think, based on the lack of sleep. And maybe some of us are still feeling a little under the weather. And as you notice, we are missing Jensen today. Unfortunately, he caught he caught the bug in Texas and has stepped out on this episode along with others. So if you're at the show, just uh, just remember if you know if you're not feeling well, give it a little test. And then just, uh, you know, if you need to stay home and take it easy, that's the most important thing is your health. Additionally, we're missing TJ. He's got some personal commitments uh, and that's, uh, it's really great that he's, he's going to some pretty cool things with his kids. And then lastly, we'll have uh, Grizz and Jackson on at some point as well to just kind of give a recap and, and talk about what's up next for them. So with that, you know, it's, it goes without saying our first topic today is going to be the Nats. You know, we've all, we've all discussed it up front, but I think there's some really big topics during the show that we just really want to emphasize because 
because the show is is a lot more than the contest, a lot more than the vendors. It's about the people that are next to you at the show or online. I think what we saw was an incredible amount of socialization, not only in the walls of the embassy suites and the event center, but online as well, and certainly post-nats as well. So I, I think we, we need to de- jump into that. But before I jump into that, I do want to note, and I want to make it clear that you know the show was hosted by a local chapter that is the IPMS Alamo Squadron. And that was led by, you know, the folks that we mentioned, Len, Rob, Stan, Tom Moon, and a few other folks that really, you know, just did a bang up job. And I and I want to be sure to note that because the IPMS USA entrusts the national convention to a host chapter and the Texas team knocked it out of the park. I think what it's also critical to talk about is that the contest is decoupled from not only the host chapter, but the national chapter as well, uh, the national USA chapter that is. So I want to make those distinctions. So when you think about the show, the convention, that was the Texas team. When you think about the contest, that was another group of individuals individuals associated with IPMS. I just want to note that because the show, the convention itself was absolutely unbelievable. So much fun. I call it the Texas standard, something that all following shows will be benchmarked off of. And we learned so much, a lot of positive things and some good opportunities. So I want to note that if you have comments on the show, there will be a feedback going out soon to all registered attendees. I encourage you to not only fill out the survey, but share your feedback. Any and all words towards the show will be read and will be put into a document to understand how can we make the show better and increase that attendee experience. So with that formality out of the way, I'm going to kick it over to Scott to talk about literally everything we've done uh, at the show, inside inside the convention and out. We have some amazing people we want to highlight, some great things that we had the opportunity to experience. And with that, I'll turn it over to Scott. Yeah, thanks, John. Really, really excited to talk with this group about our experiences and appreciate uh, those things that you just mentioned. You know, things have gotten a little bit heated on social media. We're going to spend a little time on that later in the show, but we don't want to focus on it because, you know, for every every wart, there was, you know, 10 other great things. Also, later in the episode, we're really, really excited. We had a chance, uh, John Grant and I had a chance to sit down and have an incredible conversation with John Chung, aka Scale Scriber. Um, it was really less of an interview and more of just a running conversation. I think it was one of our most interesting conversations we've had to date. So make sure you stick around in the episode for that. I think you're really going to enjoy uh, hearing about John's passion and, and what he puts into into his models. Okay, so man, where do we start? We had a chance uh, to get together as friends. All of us were there. All the all the posse were there. Uh, we did have some friends that were missing, which we'll talk about later. But it's great when we get a chance to all get together. Of course, Jensen came over from the UK, and that was great. You know, we had sort of people converging from all over all over the US. And once we got there, it was it was wall to wall. So I want to start with a couple things. First of all. Uh, for our posse Patreons and friends, our good friend Matt Schaefer put together just an amazing activity. We all went to uh, Black's Barbecue and weren't sure how that was going to go, but I'm um, going to open it up to the group here. But we had over 50 people at that event. It was uh, done for our posse Patreons, the Outriders, who do such a great job uh, supporting us, and then also some friends of the posse. Absolute blast. Our good friend Andy, Andy Klein from Andy's Hobby Headquarters was a celebrity he came in blew through there said uh, you know uh, said hi to everybody man just amazing really really good food again matt schaefer uh mediocre middle-aged modeler on uh, facebook 
Thank you so much for kind of taking the lead on putting that together. But I was, guys, I was kind of blown away by uh, the amount of people. Yeah, I agree. It was so much fun. Uh, I was I was like a little anxious like you were, Scott, and I walked in and we were just a little bit late because I, I had to pick up Rick Lawler, who's there, and, and Jose, who showed up from Custom Dynamics. You know, it was fun. I walk in and I'm like, oh my God, is there enough room for everybody? And it was a fun time. And then Andy's little in and out, you know, cheering session was great, but it was just, it, it was just just such a fun time to sit down and eat some really good barbecue with some people. I had a great time. I think the thing that struck me was, you know, not everyone obviously knew each other. I mean, there's a 50 some people in the room, but it was, it was a, a roar of the crowd the whole time. I mean, everyone was just sitting there talking and laughing and enjoying each other's company and, and had a blast. I don't think there was ever a, a time where it was very quiet in there. And it, it went by, quite frankly, I thought very fast because I, I think it was just so enjoyable. Everyone just got caught up in the moment and, and it was a good time. So, and, and I'll have to call out thanks to Scott and the crew. And Scott had stood up and thanked everyone for coming. And then he was like, oh, well, it's, it's somebody's birthday. And I was sitting there not thinking about it because it was my birthday in about four days. I'm like, I wonder whose birthday it is. That's kind of neat. Then, of course, it was my birthday they were singing for. So thanks for that. That was kind of a surprise. I might have said inappropriate words, but it was it was all in good fun. <laughs> I, I did enjoy it. So I, I've never, I don't think I've ever had 50 people sing me happy birthday before. So that was cool. One of my favorite moments was your face because, uh, you know, for the listeners at home, you know, uh, we brought a piece of cake over, you know, and we were talking, we said, hey, it's somebody's birthday. Aaron's face was like, oh yeah, cool. Whose birthday is it? <laughs> And as it slowly dawned on it, what was actually happening, <laughs> that facial expression just changed, you know, to, oh, you jerk. Yeah, that look he gave oh, me, man. Scott, was hilarious. <laughs> I was excited because I'm like, oh, we're all getting dessert. And then Aaron was the only one. And I was like, damn it. So actually, I, I do two comments about the barbecue. The first one being I'm sitting in this room with 50 of my friends. And I realized outside of Dave Knights, who I knew very well, and Mike Basquette, who I knew a little bit from the Moj, I didn't know most of you six years ago. And that's amazing. But the other amazing thing is I have have a friend that I've been sending as we gather at Posse, I tend to send a photo of our gatherings. And the comment was made every time you send a photo, there's more people in it. And I think that's the best part. And we had 50 people. So, you know, Commies Fest first year, it's like eight. And then the Nats, it's a few more. And then Commies Fest, it's a few more. And now we had 50. And that was just awesome. I've got a question. Was it the heat or was it the meat? Where were the sweats coming from? Because <laughs> I had the meat sweats pretty bad. I mean, barbecue three times on that trip and that Black's dinner was amazing. Yeah. yeah. I think it was a little both for me. It was a little humid and a little too much beat. You know, also, Scott, I got to highlight, uh, I, I did appreciate Andy from Andy's Hobby Headquarters popping in to say hi to us. I thought that was pretty cool, too. Yeah. I mean, the guy's a celebrity walked in the room and, not, you know, it was like, oh, it's Andy. So, yeah. No, it was great great and uh, he had some friends and family with him and yeah that was fantastic that'll continue to be a theme you know we also had a great get together just before uh the contest a lot of us judged some of us didn't and uh you know john had himself a pretty uh swanky uh you know hospitality suite for the posse so we brought in what 15 20 pizzas and fed everybody john yeah 15 pizzas uh, i think it probably weighed 40 pounds when when i called up costco so by the way listen if you ever want cheap pizzas, find your nearest Costco. Cheap, easy to order, and they're really good and can feed feed literally an army. Uh, made the order. Me, TJ, and Aaron went out to get it. And when we showed up, the lady's like, you ordered 15? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, oh. 
And the other lady fortunately knew uh, our order and Aaron just literally pushed a cart into the kitchen and they loaded it up. But it was it was great. And, you know, that's the most important thing. When we look at these these events, it's the social hang and being able to facilitate that from our supporters is is amazing. We're so fortunate. And, And the door was open to everyone. You know, we posted online room 201 hospitality suite. If you're in the building, stop by. And that was honestly the way throughout the weekend. I remember after we judged probably around 11 o'clock, you know, folks stopped by and literally just knocked on the door, came in and stayed till two or three in the morning. Uh, And just some really good, solid conversations around, you know, scale modeling, the love for the hobby. And to be honest, the love for each other. So room 201 was bumping every day. Super grateful to be given that opportunity. Uh, You know, shout out to Len. He's like, I know you're going to be hosting people. So uh, this, this room room, this room is hooked up for you. I'm like, dang, man, thanks. And uh, sure enough, it was and uh, became the epicenter for the posse. Yeah, it was fantastic. We had, uh, you know, we had the Moj in there. We had all kinds of friends. We had uh, Aussies. We had Canadians. We had Nukemans. You know, we had all, all the bases covered. It was great and uh, lots of fun. And it was great having pizza with everybody. So a really, really good time there. As John said, a lot of great conversations. You know, we sat there with Bruce one night plotted some coups and revolutions and takeovers and then we had other moments um you know one of them i want to highlight uh call out uh one of our good friends john everett uh just came in and just made an unbelievable uh presentation you know he he had actually handcrafted one-to-one scale uh, um lightsaber hilts you know that he had made and each one of the, of the lightsabers he had made for each of us you know in in the, in the group and uh, he had put a, a lot of thought into it and and kind of custom made that for each one of us. And if you guys get a chance on our Facebook page, you can see uh, John's got a photo of kind of kind of that moment. But you know, John, wherever he goes, he puts smiles on people's faces. You know, whether it's his Frogman uh, Mac entry that he had, or his incredible one to one scale dinosaurs, his uh, poetry. He loves to. You, you got to watch him, or you know, he'll drop some Shakespeare on you. You know. But wherever he goes, John just puts smiles on people's faces. And that was truly one of those moments. He is such the modeling renaissance man. He is. I mean, the first day, it was Tuesday night, I think, when I met Doug in the lobby. He actually had a pile of maps of England, and he was planning his next hike. And this is in the middle of a, it was just, he's just one of those guys that makes everything so much fun. And, you know, and I, I want to throw a big, I don't know if I should do this yet, but I'm going to do it anyway. I want to throw a big thank you out to Craig Flynn from flying all the way from Australia to come see us and win Mr. International Champion now, Mr. International Champion. He is such a great guy. You know, I had such a fun time sitting down and talking to him, even though he has a weird accent. You want to see some of his work. It's all over the internet. Please check him out. He had a little bit of a rough time getting home because flights got canceled, but, you know, he's home, safe with his family now. But, uh, you know, Craig, I, I I really appreciate you doing everything for us and coming all the way out here to see us. I totally agree. I loved hanging out with Craig. He came kind of at a, it was a risk. He said he could afford it and he had the time, but he didn't know how it was going to go. He took uh, the Sam Dwyer's advice to do it. Sam was the one that kind of finally pushed him to the point and his his wife encouraged it. So thanks to her as well. Um, We had a blast with you, man. Yeah, I I just want to echo that as well. You know, without Sam in San Marcos, we had an Australia shaped hole in our heart. And I think we can all agree that 
Craig easily filled that. And, you know, dare I say, we're very hopeful that we see both Sam and Craig again in Madison. I think that'd be great. Both are extreme gentlemen. And and I, I just loved hanging out with Craig. Super nice guy. I remember seeing him on Saturday and he just looked completely wiped. I don't know if he truly understood what he was signing up for when he came to San Marcos, but... <laughs> I think the posse uh, definitely got him his steps and uh, lack of sleep. So he's probably down there hibernating uh, in the lower hemisphere. But yeah, again, Craig, thanks so much for coming. You know, your spirit, your your joy for the hobby. And, you know, hey, you took a risk and we hope it, you know, we hope it turned out great because, you know, we loved we loved seeing you hanging out with you and and you're part of the posse, man. So we, we got to get him on. We got to get him to talk to us and give a recap for his time in Texas. Yeah, I think we need to grab Craig and uh, the Sam and uh get them on together so we'll uh we'll get to work on that but yeah with as soon as uh, we got to austin uh reached out to craig and took him over to lionheart with us we had dinner with dukes and uh took us to an unbelievable uh burger place i mean just unbelievable and 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 yeah the whole time he was just a part of things it was great having him over so other people that i wanted to highlight too and and uh you know throw this open to the group hanging out with the moj is always a lot of fun mark bradley the voice of Bob, Rick Lawler, uh, Joan and Barry Bediger, of course, the Noffles, you know, Andy Klein, he, he's such a, such a gentleman, you know, allowing us to kind of be a part of his huge announcements in the, for his new 116th scale kits. That was fantastic. Uh, George and Fred, Tamiya USA, and then some, some people I want to kind of highlight, and then I'll, I'll turn it over uh, to JB so he can do the same thing. But uh, first of all, Charlie Schaefer, it's great to see you again, man. You keep building building. Uh, we love hanging out with you. Of course, Hank Knopfel. He's like, I think he's like our, you know, our, our spiritual leader. I mean, we all look to him. He gets, he gets another win at nationals, uh, you know, just really, really great. He's just a part of everything that we do at these events. And then uh, I made a, a new friend and I just want to say hi. John Colasante brought his daughter, Lucy, uh, to the show. She was a doll. She took the time a couple different times to talk to me, tell me about going horseback riding and just really, really enjoyed talking to her. So hi, Lucy. Thanks for uh, talking to us. And uh, we got a little something headed your way. Hopefully you like it, but um, it was awesome to meet her and uh you know she's is uh, brave to come hang out with all us old guys at an ipms show so i hope she had a great time so jb anybody that you want to want to shout out that you ran into yeah there's certainly plenty as you mentioned got to mention steve munsell chris and his dad mcclain's you said mark and jamie we got matt johnson who was a constant fixture tim campbell stopped by a lot really enjoyed getting to know him for the first time our our great friend andy taylor as well Ken Childress, I think that's a major highlight. You know, I've admired Ken's work for a very long time, and it's a privilege to actually have a piece come home with me. He was so kind to give me his welder, which is an amazing little piece. I'll get some pictures up online. He did not need to do that. And if anything, I regret not having the opportunity to shake his hand and maybe even give him a hug before taking off. I didn't get a chance to when he had to leave a little bit early. As you mentioned, Bruce, my pans are gray as blue. Uh, he, he's, he was a constant <laughs> fixture as well in the room. Loved hanging out with him, Derek Post, 
got to give a shout out to Lynn. Uh, he, he was a gentleman that saw by a couple times, said hi, and he contributed to our group build. So super thankful for Lynn, JC, Voice of Bob, Jose, Custom Dioramics, Evan, as you mentioned. I think it goes without saying the geeks as well. Darren Whitey Scott. Uh, well, I should say Darren uh, Scott, Samo. And Frill. Frill without Whitey. That's what I was going to say is we missed Whitey there. Uh, El oh, Presidente, Tim. El Presidente, yeah. He joined us. Super, super grateful to have him and, uh, you know, our company. Company. He's just unbelievable guy and really happy that he's going to be a returning, uh, you know, host on the, on the geeks. So that's, that's great. Also got to give a shout out to Justin Lenz, who basically just won all of aircraft. I was sitting next to him <laughs> at, uh, at the award ceremony. I think I heard his name more than literally everyone's. And when he walked out, he looked like one of those North Korean generals with all the medals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's Justin Lenz. Earlier in the day, Justin had been said, yeah, you know, I, you know, I don't really care about these things, but it would be nice to take home, you know, a trophy. And yeah, I'm sitting in the back helping with the broadcast and uh, he wins his first one. I message him, Hey, good job, man. You know, and then again, and then again, and then finally I just texted him and said, dude, settle down, man. Yeah, I sat at the table with him and another one, Gabe Pincelli, him, Gabe and Scott Samo. I just I feel like their names were rotated during the jet categories. And uh, it, it was cool sitting at the table, seeing them flip positions and uh, just a great time. And, I, and I'm thankful for Darren saving me a seat, too, at the award ceremony. A few other folks, obviously, Martin Drayton. Martin Drayton, Paul Wheeler, great gentleman, uh, longtime supporter of the posse, posts on the group. Really grateful to sit next to him at the uh, at the dinner. Paul Gloucester made the trip over as well, and he cleaned up in the aircraft category, if I recall. Obviously, Josh, you know, one person we need to mention, David Brian Bridges. First time I've ever seen his work in person. Also, really nice to get to know him. I wish I could have spent more time with him. The Lovewells, uh, Chris and Rioni. I mean, they brought they brought Hawaii treats to Room Two Hundred One. How can you not? They they are the best. The best. Really, the best. I souls. swear to God, I'm going to steal his wife. I swear, <laughs> she is the sweetest woman known to man. Very very nice. And then also, I want to highlight uh, BJ DeBecker as well. BJ is a neighbor. You know, it's it's. It, I was so thankful to see him there, but also unfortunately, UPS did not abide, and uh, he didn't get any of his products there, which was unfortunate. It just. just just sucked to be honest. So he he had an empty table, but I think he he enjoyed himself uh, hanging out with us and the other folks there. It was just really good to see him. And lastly, I'd like to thank Rob Adams. He came down from Canada uh, and met up with met up with BJ in Colorado Springs, and they made the trek over to San Marcos. I was hoping to see him before they went down, and unfortunately, I got called away to work to the desert. But that's okay. Uh, super again. His first Nats, I think, and certainly not his last. I think he's already planning the other one. So that's my list. I'm sure there's a lot more. My biggest regret is not spending more quality time with all of them. With that, I'll kick it over to Grant. We we pretty much named all of them. There's a few I'd like to mention myself. I met so I met uh, Douglas Cohen, who was there uh, starting Friday, which was, in my opinion, one of the one of the outstanding figure painters, designers out there. Uh, it was a real honor to meet him. Uh, I want to say that the Bettigers were out there. Joan and Barry were there. That was really nice to sit down and have breakfast with them a couple of days. You know, I had some great, great times. We talked about Craig. Craig's a great guy. I, I really Babel Young from California came out, uh, won another best of sci-fi with another beautiful sci-fi model, another great build. And there's just a, a thousand. If I miss your name, I'm so sorry. You know, I actually got to sit down most of the time with next to Mike, the nuke man. 
and watch him work. And that was very impressive to me, um, watching his, well, the way he can uh, sculpt and do any things. And he's got a really cool story about some soap foam that was left on for him. He needs to tell, tell everybody when he gets done, like, if we give him a chance to talk. But, um, you know, with Steve Munsell and everybody else, it was just a fun time. Uh, I had a great time with a whole bunch of people. And I don't know if there's any more to add, but I'm just going to pass it on to whoever's next. Well, I'll jump in. The first thing is I want to go back to something we talked about later. And maybe this is me being an estate planning attorney, but Hank better be crazy successful because the amount of kits he's going to inherit when we're all gone is going to be ridiculous. He's going to need a pole barn just to keep all our kids. The two other shout outs, a lot of people were mentioned, but I've got a shout out to Scale Model Doc for picking me up in the airport, taking me to the Fredericksburg Museum and not leaving me in a tub full of ice with my kidneys removed. So thank you, Jonathan. And then the most exciting part of the trip was I didn't have a way to get back to the airport on Sunday. And uh, I got this Uber. The guy's name was Grant Mayberry. You might have heard of him. And he took Rick Lawler and Doug and I to the airport. And at one point we were lost. We, I swear I saw the guy with the leather face with the chainsaw chasing after us. And then we got attacked by this, I swear it was eight feet tall armadillo. So I thought that our uh, Uber driver, number one, good music, good company, fights armadillos well, five stars. That wasn't my fault. That was Wave. Uh, if you can ask, ask, you know, Jim there, he was following me on his and it was totally the wrong directions, but it was, yeah, it was my fault. But yeah, Doug had to with his Google Maps because our ways was trying to send us out into the middle of Texas Hill Country. It was terrible. Oh, it, it took you to the airport, just the wrong side of the airport. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The serial killer side of the airport. Yeah. We we're on the wrong side. Well, Doug, uh, who do you have to shout out? Oh, well, I really enjoyed um, meeting and hanging out with uh, like Mike Gordy was there. Um, I want to thank uh, Greg Greg James for um, walking the contest room with me. We shot the breeze quite a bit, get to, got to know him a lot more. And I want to say something else about about Bobble Young. I I've, I rarely get starstruck, but the dude's a rock star. When you can scratch build a uh, Rebel Blockade runner, the Tantive Four, as as beautifully as he did, and he walks into me at in the contest room, smiles and shakes my hand. And knows who I am. He says, you're Doug, right? You're the guy that likes snakes. Well, honestly, I've met him once and it was with the other guys. So I, I was shocked that he even would recognize me. It was it was a little bit. Uh, it was it was quite a feeling to have someone that I I put on this pedestal because it's Star Wars. He does Star Wars. He does it beautifully. He does it uh, scratch built. And he knew me and I was a bit blown away by it. He's he's fantastic. And uh, I know we're forgetting so many people, you oh, know, man, but we're sorry. Yeah, I'm but sorry. Uh, but Nuke, man, I mean, one of the pr- people we haven't talked about enough is Steve Munsell. I mean, the guy that literally knows everybody the second that, you know, that that he meets him. But who are some people you want to shout out? Well, of course, Steve is definitely, you know, hanging out at his booth was awesome and being able to work with the foam. I got a nice period of time to sit down and talk uh, during judging with uh, Jose and Rick Lawler and Doug. And we spent a, a nice time just discussing things and talking and just general BS. And it was very, very cool. I think one of the things that stands out to me is just, there were so many people coming up and talking to me with working with the foam. And it, it was just so cool to meet people and, you know, pass on, you know, some of the stuff that I do which people are like, that looks really hard. And it's not all you got to do is get in there and try. 
And, um, but it was very, very nice hanging out with, you, you know, you guys at your booth and uh, guys from Scale Colors behind and just talking to everybody. It was amazing. Aaron, uh, what about you? It was awesome having you there. We weren't sure uh, you were going to join us. And man, we were we were stoked you were able to to join us, you know, hang out with us. Uh, who are some people that you met you want to shout out? Yeah, thanks, Scott. And, and I was so happy to be there. And I got to thank the posse for their uh, kindness and generosity and helping me make that happen. So thanks to all of you guys for your support. I think, you know, most of the names have been mentioned already, but, you know, a, a couple just to highlight again, Steve Munsell and, and Value Gear. It was funny because I, I purchased a few items from him and it it billed as as uh, advertised that I, I had to be the one to do reverse negotiation. I think I had two items and it was like $10. He's like, well, that's not enough stuff for $10. Go get a few more things. I was like, uh, uh, okay. Uh, so, so that was fun. But, uh, and then I know... Bruce and JB and I were on a, a judging team together uh, and and Bruce and JB were standing there and I think it was David Hobbs walked by and he he, he kind of stopped. He turned around and he goes, huh, pans are gray and pans are blue together. How are the two of you going to do? Does that cancel each other out? So that was kind of funny. But uh, the one name I want to bring up JB touched on it briefly, but uh, uh, somebody I met out in Omaha and I was really looking forward to meeting again uh, was Martin Drayton. And it's just because his enthusiasm and his smile was so infectious and just so uh, so great to uh, to run into him again. And, and he just brings such positive vibes to everyone around him. So I, I was thrilled to uh, be able to have some time to uh, chat with him uh, again this year. But uh, just seeing all of you guys again, uh, you know, I, I can't wait till the next opportunity we have to all get together. Yeah, that's well said. Well said. You know, we're forgetting... You know, Brian, Brian Krieger, you know, on and on and on. We're just, you know, Cameron Corliss. I mean, just so many people, so many friends. And, you know, just uh, we appreciated, you know, interacting with all of you. It, it was great. Um, let, let's kind of touch on, I'd like to touch on the seminars and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe hit my buddy JB up on this to kind of walk through them. But I thought the seminar uh, slate that John uh, put together was absolutely fantastic i i couldn't go to all of them i wanted to i literally wanted to go to every one of them but there just isn't time uh, to do that but jb maybe uh, run down some of the highlights for you and 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 uh some of the seminars that you guys uh, put together yeah so i i want to say it, it i got to thank everyone that presented their flexibility and also their basic you know maybe the respect is is a strong word but the respect for their fellow seminar presenters um i popped my head in and in and out I tried to on almost every one Friday was a difficult day. Uh, I didn't get a chance to do that. Um, but from what I understand, you know, everybody played by the rules in terms of timing and changeover. And I've heard nothing but really great things. So super grateful for that. Some of the seminars that stuck out in my mind, um, I heard great things about your 3D printing seminar, Grant and Scott. So super thankful for that. And then I'll, I'll highlight some that I went to. Uh, and then I'd ask, you know, if anybody else on the line here to highlight them, but three stuck out in my mind. I'll, I'll touch on Brian Krieger first off on Mac. I, I think we can all agree that that seminar honestly could be a book because the knowledge that he shared on the lineage and, and how Mac came to be where it is today, specific vehicles and how Co did it, you cannot find that anywhere else. You can find it probably in a Japanese books. I say books because they're pieced together, but a contiguous story on the history and development and honestly kind of future of Mac, scale modeling of Mac, Brian's seminar knocked it out of the park. I don't know if I, I, I don't think my co-host will disagree. What are your thoughts, all? 
I was just going to say, I can speak up and say that, yeah, I learned more. I mean, I've been building Mac, you know, just for a couple of years now, but I, I really know nothing about the backstory. And so I was anxiously looking forward to that seminar, just kind of a understand from one of the, you know, one of the truly subject matter experts on it, especially, you know, JB, you kind of touched on it in the English language. It's just not easy to find. So I, I learned a lot in that time. It was, it was great for sure. Yeah, I'd have to agree that the fact that, you know, 99% of that, that history is all Japanese and, he was able to dig it out and find it. And, you know, he's been doing this a long time too. And he's very dedicated to Mac Machine and Krieger. Very, very dedicated. It, it makes a guy like me, it, it clears up a lot of things. And it was just a very informative, a detailed presentation, which I'd like to get one day so we could post it for everybody to see. Maybe a slideshow or just slide deck would be great. But, you know, him and, and, and Lincoln Wright also do great jobs of bringing it to the English speaking world. They're great ambassadors, but his his demo, his, his show, it was great. It, it, there's nothing nothing wrong. Other seminars I'd like to highlight, Martin Drayton. Uh, we, we had the privilege of sitting in the back of his, and we didn't throw any tomatoes. We had them armed and ready, but, you know, major shout out to him. He took a risk. You know, we, we talk about risk taking. It's not only on the contest table, but also supporting the show. You know, I Martin was kind enough to say yes to uh, presenting a seminar and he had a full house and I think he did fantastic. I think he has a lot of cool lessons learned and he's only going to make it better next year. And I, I always love talking to him. Like we've mentioned here. His passion, his tenacity is something that we can all admire. And just, just, it's great to see a new name on, uh, on the seminar list. And I'm, his work was there and yeah, uh, all, all stars. I, I can't think of anything else to say other than that with him. I, I'm frustrated I missed his, but I want to give him a total shout out because I see it's already on YouTube. Um, and the, the seminar I want to highlight is the Panzermeister, Evan McCollum. He, uh, I ran into him before his seminar and he looked like he was about to melt down and then he just rocked it. And I know that was taped and will show up on YouTube as well. And in the past, what always frustrated me is there's so much going on. If you miss a seminar, you've missed it. And I'm loving that guys are taping their seminars and putting them up so that we can watch them later because my, one of my biggest disappointments of the show was missing Martin's seminar, but now I get to watch it. And, you know, there's generally when you talk about armor weathering and armor painting seminars at the Nats, usually the winner is some guy named JB. I, I think, I'm sorry, JB, I think this year the Panzermeister knocked it out of the park. So uh, you got some competition now, my friend. No, nah, man, I love it. I'm so happy that Evan said yes as well. You know, I've I've admired his work online for for years and super thankful that someone not only of his skill set but dare I say he's just a younger younger guy and that's what we need more of we need we need to empower younger modelers to come in and share their skills share their perspective and really teach us how it's done and like you mentioned bringing in technology having the you know having the how, how I'm looking for the right word here, having the foresight to record it and share it. That does IPMS a major favor. And we have to be extremely grateful to people like him and Martin for taking that initiative, not only sharing their content, but highlighting what the IPMS nationals can provide to other people. You know, in my mind, the seminars are, are a fantastic touch point where you get to learn uh, more than probably you can anywhere else. It, you know, and I say seminars at other shows as well. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, the IPMS nationals only. You look at seminars and workshops at international shows. Those are probably the most valuable piece if you're looking to up your game in scale modeling. So I have to give credit to those folks. And then I also want to give credit to the European shows 
that have shown that you can have workshops that are paid with high-class modelers like Rick Lawler. To be honest, it was an experiment this year. We'd never really done anything like that before. Yes, there's been airbrushing seminars in the past, but to truly have an awesome scale modeler dedicate his time all day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, teach classes that were sold out really sets a new kind of course for IPMS. And what else can we do? Who else can we bring in? You know, Rick was the first, but certainly not the last. And I have to thank Scale Model Challenge for that kind of model where they have world-renowned artists come and teach classes and uh, just super thankful that it worked out and it will not be the last. I know the boys in Madison have a stellar location to host more than what we had in Texas. I do want to highlight the Texas facility was small. There's no denying that. But I think what we'll learn is, you know, Texas was planned back in 2018, 2019. It's a different world in IPMS today. We are five years on and many more members, much more publicity around the show. And what you'll see in Madison is where we truly have a facility that is matched with the demand. Um, but, you know, I, I've, I've tangented. I want to come back. I want to highlight the model geeks as well. Super thankful for Scott and Darren and the boys for putting on the TPS and teaching that again. And then also uh, I did not, I was not a part of it, unfortunately, but I know Doug and Grant showed up. I think they had a great time with the scale model podcast roundup. Well, we have a blank space here. Well, we're talking about leveraging technology. I got to say, hey, it was great for the people who couldn't attend, shout out to Eric Brubaker, to be able to watch the awards ceremony thank to a certain podcaster on this call. So thinking outside the box again, Scott, that was awesome that you guys broadcast that. Well, I'm going to give Rob Booth the credit for that. I just uh, tried to help make it happen. So Rob, uh, Rob really gets the credit for that. Anyway, Doug, uh, Grant, how did the uh, how did the podcaster roundup uh, go? I, I wasn't able to attend either. Was it a lot of fun? It was. It, it was really interesting because I knew it started at three thirty, and I ran into you at three thirty. I said the roundups. Now he's like, "Yeah, it's you and Grant." And I said, "Oh, I don't, I don't remember. I didn't get that memo, I, and I missed it. It's in the chat. I missed it. So I had to run over there, got there a minute late, and sat in on it. But it was a lot of fun. And basically, all it was was with uh, Bob Bear, the voice of Bob doing the uh the emceeing it was just an open forum for people to ask questions to those of us who were there representing five podcasts were represented so uh no it went really really well yeah i have to agree i i, I really like the format where basically you know uh bob just handed it over to the audience and we just they just started asking questions and i think that's the best way to do that they got a lot of good there was a lot of funny stuff there was a lot of you know talking about all different kinds of the aspects of it, what we think is needed, what was needed in the future, how, how it started, how we started in the, you know, in the, in the podcasting. Um, it, it was fun. It was, it was a fast 45 minutes, just put it that way. Very fast. And, you know, me and Doug and all the others had a great time. Plus we got some really cool pictures out of it, uh, some hand drawings that they did for us. So those, those turned out really cool. Uh, John, I know you got to reconnect with uh, Mig Jimenez. And I think, Mike, I think you got to connect with Mig as well. What was it like uh, meeting Mig? I ran into him in the elevator a couple of times, but he was on the phone. So how was it, guys? Oh, it was great. You know, I hadn't I hadn't seen Mig in person for almost 20 years. I had the I had the opportunity to meet him back in 2004 at the Amps Nationals in Hard to Grace, Maryland. And during that time, my dad took a picture of him and I, and we recreated it in San Marcos. Uh, I think he's aged better than me, um, but you know, it was it was really good. He's he's super nice, and uh, you know, it was just great to reconnect. 
and uh, you know bond over the common common language of scale modeling. And I, uh, you know, Mike and I spent a few minutes with him chatting, and certainly I look forward to seeing him again at SMC. But you know, he was incredibly grateful. And, you know, he posted a little bit online about having the opportunity to speak at the IPMS Nationals. He also noted it was the first time he gave a seminar without actually hands-on demonstration. So that was new for him, but his thing was widely uh, attended and publicized. And Mike, how'd you feel? Mig was just super gracious and, you know, very seemed humble just talking. And, you know, as a person to person and there with John, it was just really, really neat to meet him and talk on that level. Um, you know, talk about some of the stuff that is going on. And uh, he kind of, uh, kind of led into that, you know, he would like to start traveling a little more and doing more shows and doing what basically he did at nationals. So that's very encouraging. And just, just the level he was on, it was really, really cool. I'll also mention another story with Meg. So on Friday night, uh, the kids, uh, we, we like to call them, uh, Jensen, Jackson and Grizz. They, they departed, uh, the venue and went bowling and they sent us a picture of them with Mig and they're like, we're bowling with Mig. And we're all like, Oh man, what, how did you get so lucky? And we're all thinking like, Oh, they're, they're just bowling having a great time. So, you know, we, they get back and we start talking to them. They're like, how was bowling with Mig? Oh, it was great. This and that. And, how, how was it? Well, you know, he was in the lane next to us. We're like, oh, okay. Well, that's still cool. Learn a little bit more about the story. Suddenly he's, he's few lanes down and then ends up being on the end row of the bowling alley. So, you know, uh, I, I appreciate the facade they put on. Uh, but, uh, you know, I did, I just found it funny where, you know, it, it's, it's almost talking about the fish you caught and how big it is. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. In this case, it went the opposite way for them. So, uh, jokes aside, super happy that, uh, they got a chance to meet him. They, I think they were stoked. I think Mig was stoked too. Uh, you know, he's, he's super gregarious and, uh, it, it was just a really cool picture and a, and a cool story that, um, it's just funny how it how it evolved uh, to them. At least they were in the same building, I say. So uh, that's how I look at it. Same same zip code, same thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, just uh, uh, you know, going back to uh, the the seminars, I was able to go to uh, the one that you uh, JB that you did with TJ and Jensen on airbrushing was great. Always uh, excited to hear more from you guys and see photos of, of what your work looks like. I miss Brian's. Unfortunately, I, I do want to shout out again, Martin Drayton. He did a great job. You know, um, what's awesome is we, we met Martin, even though he's right here in Utah with, with Doug and I, we actually met him in Vegas at the IPMS nationals. And, you know, he was kind of like, well, you know, I wasn't really sure about this. And then two years later, he's not only presenting a seminar, he's presenting a seminar that sold out. I mean, packed house and he, and it was great. I mean, really, really learned a lot from that and uh, glad that you guys uh, did the podcast roundup. Sorry, I missed that one. That sounded really cool. Uh, one thing I, I, I want to talk about before we kind of move on this is, is uh, the seminar that we did with Rick and kind of his approach. Rick is really generous. I, we all know the quality of his work, but he did the seminar and, you know, we got some seats and uh, Aaron, Aaron won uh, a contest to get a ticket to go to that as well. Um, there were other people in them. Yeah. Like JB said, uh, all, all sold out, but Rick didn't just get up there and lecture everybody. I mean, he just loaded the table in this conference room up with every kind of, you know, uh, 
base material that you can think of, you know, the foam bases themselves, but, you know, rocks and dirt and texture and, you know, grass and, you know, just anything you can think of paints uh, had an airbrush there. And then he just really pushed us and, and allowed our creativity to kind of go where it went. And first of all, getting off of our feet for four hours and being able to kind of decompress and get creative uh, with a bunch of people uh, around you that are doing the same thing. And then having Rick there to advise you, it, it was in, it was really incredible. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I had a base at the end of it, you know, when I was done. And and obviously, I think everybody else did too. But um, shout out to Rick. And, and again, shout out to IPMS for uh, taking a chance on something like that. I mean, it's something that, you know, in in subsequent future um, nationals, if that's available, I'm going to really do what I can to attend because I thought it was a, a home run. Yeah, I agree 100%. And what was cool is, you know, Rick was saying, we took a, each day we had the bases at our table and, you know, the base quality of each of those builds. And this is four hours. The work that was done by some of the people and not some, all of them, sorry. It, it was fantastic. And people were trying to buy those bases off of our table. And I'm like, no, no, they're not for sale. We're just showing them off. And that's the quality they were at. And they were fantastic. There were some beautiful stuff there. And, you know, you have to hands down, give it to Rick, because that's the exact way you learn how to build is you, you get a bunch of stuff. You don't sit there and watch somebody for an hour and a half, build something. And then you try and do it in an hour and a half. You go. And he had the right idea from the start is just to attack it. And he would come around and he went around to every single person the whole time he was moving around, showing us, you know, do this, try this, you know, if this doesn't work, try this. And, you know, I have to throw out to AK Interactive for, you know, giving us the products uh, and, you know, all the stuff that we did. And it was fun. It was really, really fun. And you came out with a fantastic base in four hours and you can't beat that. It was just a good old time. When I started mine, I'd already been warned. Grant did it the day before, and he gave us the warning, me the warning, go in with a plan. Go in with an idea of what you want to do, because uh, some guys were spending a lot of their time just trying to come up with an idea. So I went in with a basic idea, but the impressive thing to me after we were done and we had all of those bases sitting on the posse table was not one of them was the same. They all were different. Everybody without any guidance actually came up with their own concept and and something entirely different it was really cool to see yeah i agree grant's base uh, was fantastic aaron um the the base that he came up with was really great I and mean, he had a little culvert and uh did some of the ak cracked uh cracked earth and just really uh, had an interesting concept. It was awesome to see what people were coming up with. So yeah, really, really terrific. And I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't follow anyone's advice and come up with a plan before I went in. And and thanks again to the posse. I was just super excited to have the opportunity to go. And uh, it was my first time meeting Rick in person. He's a super nice guy, down to earth guy and very generous with his time. And I went in and I, I really didn't have a plan, but um, and I think, uh, as Grant said, you know, thanks to AK Interactive for providing the product because, uh, you know, one of the things was there's so much product out there and stuff I've never tried before. And I thought, well, this is my opportunity to try it. You know, sometimes you don't want to 
spend money on stuff if you don't know how it's going to work. And I saw that crackle paint there and I'm like, you know what? I've always wondered how this stuff would work. I, I'm never really quite sure if it was going to work as advertised or not. Here's my opportunity. And that that really using that crackle paint became my plan. And I kind of you know, went from there with a little desert base with a dried out, you know, culvert and, and a brick wall or a stone wall behind it. But it was just such a cool opportunity to have to, you know, and I didn't really know how to use the crackle paint. And, and well, wait, here's Rick Lawler who can just, you know, come over and give me hands-on advice. And it was, it was incredible. And it was, I, I think, a great uh, set up. I, I hope it's something that IPMS considers doing again in the future. I mean, I told Rick at the end, I said, if you do nothing else, but give this exact same seminar next year, sign me up again. I mean, it's that valuable to me to learn. And and I just, I loved it. It was probably one of the, the top three highlights, you know, of the, of the entire show for me. Yeah, that's well said. Uh, you know, he kind of worked with uh, a good friend, Josh Buck, and they they put together kind of a sci-fi uh, base for like a space marine or a figure. And it was just like you said, every every single thing was a little bit different. You know, it was some some had a little more of a desert theme. Some had, you know, traditional kind of armor theme. Some were sci-fi. Yeah, it was a really, really terrific well, let's see, just going down the list, uh, man, vendor rooms, guys, three full rooms of vendors. We had Squadron bought, brought an entire hobby store. We had Fred and George, uh, Tamiya USA booth, had a great uh, booth of, uh, you know, all their products, all their new new kits. Um, they were fantastic to talk to, did a, did a giveaway, we're giving t-shirts away, Zuki Mura had a huge giveaway and uh somebody in the group knows a little bit about that. Uh we'll talk about that in a second. Um um you know Microworld Games uh really really impressive and I mean uh, Edward, I mean, you know 25% off. I think just about everybody in this call came home with an FM2 or something from from the Edward booth. So it, it, anyway, just incredible three rooms of vendors um, i mean what maybe let's uh, start with you jim uh what what'd you bring home from the vendor room and what what'd you think of it well the first thing i'm going to say is i love the concept of the squadron hobby shop in a room that was so cool uh, it's also kind of cool to see squadron back i think that is really cool but it was just cool to see a vendor go out of their way to bring all this stuff and i think they traveled reasonably far i'm not sure where squadron is based i uh i fell into the trap of tamiya 172 bought an f-35 I picked up a couple uh, 172nd tanks from Vargas, the 3D printed Matilda and the Bob Semple, because the Bob Semple is the coolest tank ever. Um, I will not take any complaints on that. And then just mostly weathering stuff um, and base making stuff. I didn't get to attend Rick's seminar, but I hope to uh, hit him up at some point. But honestly, I know this is probably not the most popular opinion. The vendor room is overwhelming. There's too much. And it's just so much stuff. And like, I didn't actually buy anything from Edward. Um, oh, I also uh, also got a, a Maple Leaf base from Bases by Bill, who uh, I'm going to, they had a, a PSP wood base. I'm going to have to hit them up because they had it in 48th and I, I need that in 72. But it was just so much stuff. So cool. Uh, but just a little overwhelming. So much. Like I could have easily dropped thousands of thousands of dollars and then my paralegal would have fired me. <laughs> Grant, what did you walk away with out of the vendor rooms? Uh, I, I walked out with the Edward Roof, the dual kit, uh, the Japanese float planes. Uh, fantastic price, couldn't pass it up. So I ended up with that. I ended up with a lot of diorama material and books. 
um, some really, really good books that I've been looking for and looking uh, for for a long time. I got the AK uh, How or Artillery of Vietnam, which is a really interesting book. A lot of pictures. I, you know, there's some artillery that served there that I had no idea. I didn't know there's a lot like the Hawk Air Defense System. I didn't know that it was actually in Vietnam. But there was a whole that, there was that. There was um, I got a really nice kit. It was their new Schwei Megan from Das Works, uh, which was you know very nicely donated to us. Got that and a few other things. And but mostly, like I said, I ended up with a lot of old stuff that I've been been looking for for a while a lot of relented figures a lot of custom dioramic stuff that i really wanted um he was there jose was there when we i rated his uh bases by bill can't say enough about him got a whole bunch of figure bases you know thank you so much for being a sponsors and helping us and you know bases by bill you're the best uh talking to those guys was a great time uh, but that's about it no that's not too bad of a haul um nah. aaron you have pretty good taste what did you uh pick up in the vendor room <laughs> um, well, my shopping list was pretty, pretty short this year. I'm kind of on a little bit of a budget right now. And so I wasn't really looking to go wild. I did pick up the 35th scale machine and Krieger Gooster. Uh, I think that Grant's working on right now. And I, I, I want to go on record and say, I texted JB as soon as I saw them and told him where they were. So um, his life decisions not to purchase immediately after that are on him. I was there, though, I will say in his defense, I was there when him and Brian agreed they would just do a group order out of Japan. So what Brian did on his own after that, I don't know what happened. But uh, uh, so I got that. That was from Rhino Hobbies. Rhino Hobbies has a great selection of tools and kits. Uh, they have a lot of those little wave springs that uh, you often use on machine and Krieger kits. So uh, for very reasonable prices. So uh, I picked up a few of those. Other than that, I, I did buy a, for me, amazing thing, a, an airplane from Edward, uh, 172nd scale MiG-21. That was kind of the last purchase. I was looking at it and TJ Peer pressured me into it. He said something like, well, if, if you get one, I'll get one. And it was, as JB would say, practically free uh, at the Edward prices. So uh, that did come home with me. Um, other than that, just a few tools and things. So uh, um, not a lot. I, I did bring home a Dragon Type 95, Japanese Type 95 tank that uh, has traveled the world considerably in the past year. It was in my collection. I sold it to Jensen and took it to Omaha and gave it to him last year. And he took it back to uh, the UK with him. And then uh, uh, Scott uh, wanted that and a Type 97 that I had sold Jensen as well. Uh, so Jensen brought those back from the UK to uh, Texas this year and gave them to Scott. And Scott insisted I take the Type 95. So it's it's been well-traveled over the past year. It's uh, actually what I was working on this morning. Uh, so that I'm excited excited to finish and, and hopefully take to uh, Amps and then maybe Madison next year. So um, I'm sure if I went back and looked at everything that I brought home, I'd find something else exciting. But those were the, the highlights along with, of course, John Everett's uh, lightsaber. That was probably, wasn't out of the vendor room, but it was probably the highlight of the of the of the week to, to bring home yeah there's no doubt about that and i'm I'm going to be passive aggressive here make doug go last and you, you'll know why um here but let's go over to uh nuke man uh, nuke man what'd you bring home uh out of the vendor rooms uh, from the nats well for my own safety i've really been trying to stick with smalls so little things here and there i did Talked to Greg Cooper, who is working for Hobbytown, was right next to Jose and Custom Dioramics. I bought a bunch of small stuff off him. And then a couple of things from UMM, some tool-wise stuff, a PE bender and a reamer that I'm probably going to repurpose for just bending PE and wrapping wires to make tubes and things. 
one gentleman was having a blowout of armor accessories and books uh, in the small room, and I got 18 items for $45. So uh, it couldn't be that. Wow. I did. Yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. It was um, one for $5 or two for $5. So that's yeah, exactly. Um, I did from a couple of the smaller vendors pick up a uh, grocer hund Mac, um, as well as a uh, Asuka M32. B1 uh, take recovery vehicle, which actually I'm moving on already to one of my other friends. I couldn't pass up the price. It was ridiculously low. And one of my other friends is like, I need one. And I'm like, I already got one. So that will be moving that on. Um, but just a bunch of small stuff in general. And uh, it is overwhelming. There's just so much stuff. And, you know, as you walk through the room, you're trying to find things and the like and you just keep finding new stuff like stuff i didn't see on wednesday i was seeing saturday morning it was so it, it is overwhelming but i enjoy the heck out of it i especially love digging through bins because digging through bins you find cool stuff yeah absolutely and i want to plus one some of the vendors we've talked about bases by bill they brought the heat man they brought their their you know uh plexiglass cases they brought their painted bases and again every time i see their booth i'm struck by how can you only charge this for this base i mean you know they're just incredible and christian bill and wes it was great catching up with them i uh, loved having them on the show uh, i'm working with uh christian and wes designing a case for that big uh 24 scale viper i'm working on so anyway uh rhino hobbies we met them at in colorado at commies fest and the owner of of uh rhino hobbies fantastic unbelievable pricing for what he's got he's got top top quality stuff and then jose at custom dioramics he was in our uh, suite 201 talking with us and uh you know hopefully we're gonna have some of his products to highlight for you in upcoming episodes uh he's a, an incredibly nice generous man i had never met him before really enjoyed that so um anyway plus one on those and and we'll have more to say on that one one more carl's lionheart hobbies kind of the local oh hobby yeah. shop there uh yeah. i know we went there tuesday night i think after you Pick mm -hmm. me up from the airport, Scott, and they have a cool little shop there in Austin. And then they had a, a great display at the, at the vendor room too. So they had some cool stuff. Yeah, yeah big huh? shout out to big shout out to those guys. They had some great, great items in their little store there. That was the and the nice, the super sweet people. And you know, they were just doing their best to help everybody out. It was they, that's a great little organization there. It's amazing that you can pack so many good products into a tiny little hobby shop. If you're in the Austin kind of area, I think they're in Kyle and uh, go, just go. It's fantastic. All right, JB, uh, what treasures did you bring home from Nats? I brought home a good amount. I brought home enough where I had to buy a bag off Amazon and have it shipped to the hotel. <laughs> so uh, highly recommended everyone uh, bring a duffel bag. It worked it actually worked out fantastic. So I arrived at the show with a, you know, a roller bag for a carry on and then my models. And what, what ended up happening was, uh, I got a free check bag on the way home. So what I did was I bought a big duffel bag to put everything. I put all my clothes in that and I put some models in the hard case, but let's see, what did I bring home? Spent a good amount of money, but a lot of, a lot of great stuff. Had the opportunity to 
pick up an airbrush from Spray Gunner. So I bought the Grex Tritium, the pistol grip. I've been admiring them forever. And as John Everett likes to tell me, you're a grown-up with grown-up money and you can do grown-up things. So I bought it as a grown-up. And then I spent a lot of money actually with the squadron folks. I want to echo what everybody has said here. What they created at the Nationals was something special. And I'm hoping they do it again in Madison. It was truly a hobby shop. And I want to call squadron almost like a phoenix because squadron was arguably number one market leader in retail for the hobby, probably 90s, early 2000s. And then it was a catastrophe to say the least. Bankruptcy, sold the brand. You know, Squadron was in its heydays, left um, left a lot on the table, I think. Uh, they changed management and it was, it was crushed. And they went through bankruptcy, sold everything, even the garbage cans in their building. I remember seeing it at auction. And Brandon and his dad went on and, you know, bought the brand and reignited it. And I had an opportunity to connect with both of them at the show. I'm hopeful that they'll come on here. They shared their catalog that kind of tells their story. And what they had was amazing. They had a room that was pretty big. It was the same size as the the seminar room, but it was filled chock-a-block, sole from the floor to the ceiling, all walls. And in the center, there were tables with countless accessories. And what they provided visitors was truly something special. So I spent most of my money in there. I picked up a Ryefield Tiger 1. That's the Japanese version, 72nd scale Tiger 1. I picked up a Blitz Stug that was cheap. And then my favorite purchase from them was the Tyrannosaur from X plus model kit. And it's the Tyrannosaur that's chasing Ian Malcolm. Super excited to get started on that. It is a, it's such a great sculpt and I'm really excited for the Spinosaurus and the Velociraptor they'll have up next, but injection molded ran me 70 bucks. You might think that's a little bit for, for a dinosaur kit, but it is 35th scale. You get a figure of Ian Malcolm, you get the base, you get the, uh, the fence line there and obviously the T-Rex chasing him. So I was super happy about that. And then the biggest thing I brought home was the new Dasverk SDKF said 251. Um, what can I say? Super grateful. Andy gave it to me at our booth. And, you know, he also, um, Harold was there from Dasverk and he gave, he gave Grant the new, the new soft skin, the, the, uh, the amphibious vehicle, which is really cool. And, uh, we're certainly going to build those. I've already started on the 251. I got the tracks assembled, a lot of parts clean, and I'll be working on this weekend, but long story short, I brought a lot of stuff back way more than I expected to buy, but the duffel bag from Amazon came in handy. It was 30 bucks and I was able to fit everything in it. I also need to give a special shout out to Mark and Jamie. They were kind enough to bring a tub and a box down for me to enter more models than what I took on the airplane. So Super grateful for them. Can't wait to see them again and um, certainly buy them dinner. So that's it for me. Yeah, Scott, I want to say something real quick, if you don't mind. I remember in 2000, uh, Vegas, the Vegas show, and when Squadron was there and they just had the table and they were selling the prints. And the way they've gone from that to where they were at Omaha, or not Omaha, excuse me, in Texas is fantastic. It, it see that growth and that that and people say, oh, the hobby's dead. No, it's not. Look at the look at these guys did with school. Bruce and his son did with Squatter. It is so impressive that they they went from basically selling prints that they they bought at an auction from the store uh, when it went shut down. And, and, and now they had their own store, you know, and it was, it was, there was every day, every time you went by that room and, and you went in, there was a line every single time. And that just shows you what, you know, hard work and in this hobby can do. And it was just very impressive. My hat is off to you squatter. You've done a fantastic job. Awesome. 
Well, breaking news, uh, JB brought home a free kit to build. <laughs> totally joking. And before we get to today's big winner, we have, uh, I think Nukeman has a special guest there that wants to say hi. So my son, Michael John, would like to say something to everyone. I love listening to the Plastic Posse podcast. Wow. Thanks, Michael John. Thank you awesome. so much. Yeah, hey, that's great, awesome. man. I appreciate it. By, by the way, no money was exchanged, at least as far as I know. <laughs> in that segment so awesome man we love we love young l- young listeners that's great all right well now we're going to the golden boy um first we're going to talk about what he brought home from the vendor room and then we, doug if you will lead us into what you brought home from the raffle all right well I did most of my purchasing on day one. I didn't want to miss out on anything. So the uh, Edward booth, I got the uh, new the new FM2 Wildcat. I got the the roof, the single roof, not the two pack. They only had two of those and Grant and Jensen got those. And then I picked up, there was somebody selling, it was basically an estate, uh, a friend, an old friend had passed away and they were selling his kits for half off. So I got a couple of Tamiya um, 48 scale armor pieces. I actually got three of those, um, gave one to, to Craig Flynn because he's never done armor. And I told him this is a good place to start and handed him uh, the T-55. And I got a, uh, the posse got a Y-Wing for Steve Munsell who wanted one, but was a, didn't want to pay the high prices, but Squadron was selling it for for basically what you could find it online on Amazon. So 35 bucks just a couple months ago. So so that was donated to, to our friend Steve who's done so much for us. It's the least we can do. And then I had to buy a base because of something else that I didn't purchase. Uh, bases by Bill, I got a, a Messerschmitt base for a large-scale aircraft and some little base plates, little templates for uh, some Star Wars models, which is X, Y-wing, uh, Y-Wing Starfighter, you know, uh, in wood. The base I got is actually um, inlaid wood. They said they're never going to build another one because it was – too complicated it took too much work but they sold it for me to me for twenty dollars which just blows my mind it's a beautiful it's a piece of art and they need to charge more so you wanted to hear about raffles well yes. no no now hold, hold on why did you buy a Messerschmitt base doug <laughs> well there was this there were two two there were a few different giveaways there and then it one of them was zuke mora had um, the first 250 people that did it could go and fill out a little form and you keep half that had your name and stuff and a number on it. And then they would draw, a, did a drawing on Friday. I was number 67. And the fun funny thing was when they started drawing it, they, they first drew number 167 and then they drew 76 and then they drew 69 and 63. And I'm like, they're circling me here. They gave away t-shirts. They gave away some of their gorgeous books. And then they started handing out kits. And they called my number 67 for their very last drawing. It was their newest kit. The uh, the Messerschmitt BF 109 G14 that just released. So it's 30 second scale. It's magnificent. I mean, not having started to build it yet. I, I can just say that that if it fits anywhere near as good as it looks in the box, it's going to be a stunner. Just a beautiful model. 
Yeah, gorgeous box. Uh, Doug did have a trail of people following him after that. But uh, anyway, well, let's uh, roll into the raffle. Uh, I think you did pretty well there, too. Well, as did you, Scott. But uh, the the raffle two years ago in Vegas, I, I didn't do the raffle. I didn't think anything of it. But TJ and, and JB were walking away with some pretty neat stuff. So I did it in uh, in Omaha and I won something. But this year, I I gave him 40 bucks and I walked away with five wins, including uh, two aircraft, two Hazagawa 48-scale Japanese aircraft, a Val and an Oscar, which will definitely be built. Those are, those are cool aircraft. I picked up... Uh, Andrea Miniatures uh, Revolutionary Inf- Infantryman, uh, Colonial uh, Revolutionary uh, Soldier, which looks very, very nice. I've never done anything like it, but I chose that one because it was, you know, it was a raffle win and it was an option. I thought I'd try something new. I got some Fruel uh, tracks for the T-3485 and I got a uh, Moebius uh, Battlestar Galactica Viper Mark I, which was still wrapped. So uh, I couldn't say no to that. Yeah, that was uh man, you really cleaned up. I I bought 60 bucks worth of tickets and I I ended up really capitalizing. I did all of mine in the miscellaneous. You got to choose what you won. So I got four sets of Fruel metal tracks which uh they are going away and I love my metal tracks, so I was really happy I did give a set to TJ and also gave uh got had another win after I thought we were done and got an Alpine miniatures figure and gave that to TJ. So anyway, did really really well. I don't no, did anybody else uh, participate in the raffle? Well, I uh, I ended up buying twenty dollars worth of miscellaneous tickets and oh, saw a little bit of armor. And I did win a uh, to me a half track. But Steve Munsell is like Mister Raffle. He just likes the idea of winning. So Steve bought like sixty dollars worth of tickets and he won like fourteen times. So oh and I know a lot gosh. of. The- I, I know a lot. I know a lot of those kits ended up going to other people, um, giving them to some of the youngsters that were around. In fact, one of the wins for miscellaneous that Steve had, I picked up. I'm not sure what Star Wars thing it was, and apparently, standing behind me, there was a young lady who really, really wanted that, and she kind of had this look on the face like you're stealing my puppy. And so when I turned around, <laughs> I said, "Here you go. It's yours. Build it." And she was just so happy and went back and told Steve and he was thrilled. So uh, it's always fun. I'm Mr. Ticket Checker for value here. Nice. You do. You have a lot of roles over there. Eh, I do what I do, whatever it is. The Plastic Posse Podcast is sponsored by Tankcraft, makers of the highest quality cutting mats for your modeling bench. Tankcraft cutting mats are heavy-duty, self-healing, come in two awesome sizes, and have World War II tank and aircraft blueprint-style drawings on them. Spread out your next build on an olive green M4 Sherman or Dunkelgeld King Tiger mat, and they've got aircraft too. So check out all the designs and also their range of unique modeling tools over at tankcraft.com. That's T-A-N-K-R-A-F-T dot com. Don't forget, Plastic Posse listeners can use the code POSSE15 to get 15% off your first order. Wow, this is great. We could probably keep doing this for hours, but we'll we'll kind of start to wrap up. Um uh, sh- shout out to our buddies that couldn't come. Whitey from the Geeks, we missed you, man. It wasn't the same without you. Steve Baker, 
Blaine, Brian Kreiner, Sean Earl, so many of our friends that couldn't make it. We missed you. We hopefully will uh, catch up with you sooner or later at a show. Chris Wallace. Yeah, Chris, Chris Wallace. Yep, Chris Siebert. And Chris Siebert. We yep. were short a couple of Chris's. Anyway, to all the those of you that couldn't make it, we missed you there. Anyway, um, let's kind of wrap this up. We're going to talk very, very briefly about this topic. Um, I'm going to start and then I'm going to kind of just uh, uh, hand it off uh, to JB and and we'll go from there. But the contest was great in, in some ways. Um, there's been a lot of talk on social media. There's a lot of things, I think, that for a forum, maybe not, not, not this podcast that need to be discussed. What's great is IPMS membership, as John alluded to, has grown uh, significantly. Um, we, we think that all of you out there listening to all of the podcasts and watching Martin on YouTube and, and on and on and on are probably a big part of that. But what's great about the contest controversy is that people are passionate and people care about IPMS USA. The eboard is, um, I know a lot of people don't think that their voice is being heard, um, but it is being heard. A lot of work is going on behind the scenes. I'll let them kind of talk to that. I'm certainly not worthy to be their spokesman, but I, I can tell you that uh, a lot of work is being done. These guys volunteer for these positions. They're very difficult and uh, they're working hard to try and make it better for everybody else. I really want to get too much into the negative. I think a lot of the, the uh, criticism that I've seen can be addressed. I think it can be improved. And I think that's kind of what the membership is saying that they want. So I'm going to talk about some of the things that I really liked about the contest. And then I'll let you guys all, all comment on that. And then uh, we can wrap it up and 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 move on. So uh, the first thing I want to say about the vendor room is there were two, I think, really, really big improvements this year. Um, first was the lighting. The lighting in the contest room was fantastic. It's probably the best I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I saw Rob Booth in there walking around with his light meter, just checking it out. But it was really, from a lighting perspective, it was really, really above and beyond a lot of the shows, including the last two Nats that we had. And so uh, that's great for the the facility we were in and great for IPMS. The other thing is, and uh, I'm going to give kudos to Rob Booth on this, um, he went out and uh, purchased um, pipe and made table extensions. And all the tables were on extensions. And uh, I think for the judges and for most people, I think that was a positive move. I think there are some uh, concerns from people that were um, in on scooters or younger children that maybe maybe we might want to drop it a little bit. But I, I think from my perspective, that was a really positive thing overall. And then the last thing was the overall number of models and quality. I think we missed the all-time IPMS record. John can correct me, but I think by three. I think we were three short of the all-time record the the contest room was absolutely packed and from my perspective i've gone to the last three nationals i think the level of quality uh was at least as good as if not better than the last two nationals there were a couple categories uh figures in particular where i think uh the quality was significantly better than i've seen in the past and so um from all those uh areas i think it was a really really great contest it's great to see participation it's great to see the tables full of models and uh it's great to have a room where uh, the lighting and the the level of the tables is gives you easier access With 
with regards to uh, the feedback, again, my my thing is I think the membership is uh, starting to kind of be overwhelmingly for changes. And uh, I, I hope that we can get some. I hope that IPMS will evolve and change. I think the contest can be better. There were a lot of uh, broken models as a result of the judging. I think that can and will be addressed. I'm gonna not going to talk to that a whole bunch, but that's an area where we can improve. And I think just generally the contest format, overall the membership saying we want to be a part of this. We want to see some changes and enhancements. We want to try new things. And I think that's incredibly fantastic. We want the membership to be engaged and we want to, frankly, we want to put on, we meaning modelers here in the United States, shows that people want to come from overseas to participate in. And we want you know them to continually get better. So that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to hand the mic over to John and then we'll kind of go around the room and uh, see what your your thoughts are on the contest. Yeah, I'll, I'll just be brief. I I just encourage anyone that if you went to the show and have feedback, an IPMS survey will be coming out soon. I encourage everyone who attended to please take a few moments, share anything in and everything about the show, especially the contest. And you know, IPMS is open to more feedback. I think as Scott mentioned, there's always areas for opportunity. Uh, but you know, in terms of the contest itself, outside of you know the judging aspect, I was just impressed at the level of work this year that was on the display. You know, I don't think I don't think the Texas folks knew they were going to get that close. And to be honest, if I knew they were that close and probably other people there, we would have ran out and literally bought a kit, slapped it together and thrown it on the table to get that record. So hats off to them. It's the first show in Texas in a long time. Certainly the first one to that area. And IPMS Alamo Squadron has a lot to be proud of. So yeah, that's that's really all I have to say. Jim, uh, what were your thoughts on the contest room and, and the contest itself? Well, I'm going to have a little bit of a hot take here. I thought it was a perfectly good hang slap convention ruined by a contest. But if anybody's listened to me, I am not a contest guy. What I will say, so to be positive, I, you know, eight to 10 years ago thought I had the skills to maybe, you know, finish second or third at an ATS. And now I see these models and it's just stunning. Like I, I feel every time I go, it's another level. And this year was the same, just stunning models. And I guess to be positive, I'm looking forward to see what our friends in Madison are doing with this whole tiger meat idea. I've been kind of yammering on about display, display, display. Uh, and, and I had a little bit of a laugh when you guys were talking about SIGs. I'm like SIGs are great, but if we don't have display, what's the point? So I'm really excited to see what what Madison does. And and I do think going forward, the contest is something that will never go away. And and I'm not a fan, but I'm not going to tell anybody what to do. But I think we need to open it up and include people who just want to display and not enter, include special interest groups and make that a part of the convention. It's not just a contest. It's a convention. It should be the celebration of modeling. And I'm just, I'm excited to see if that goes through. Uh, that would be wonderful. And I, I do feel IPMS contest committee needs to make some changes. I strongly believe you shouldn't ever be touching anybody's models. I hope we'll see that change. And I think they just need to, to look at how they're approaching it and not actually what bothered me wasn't so much the convention, but the reaction online of you have certain self-appointed people who want to defend IPMS. Like I saw a lot of people going at people who weren't even e-board members. They're just random members. And I wish people would understand everybody has a different view and wants to see different things. And we all just want to make this a mecca to show what scale modeling is. And that's what the NAT should be. And it shouldn't just be a contest. And I wish we um, we had more of that. And I'm excited to see what Madison does. 
Uh, I think this is a great step. I'm, I'm going to give props where they're due. I've been ranting on about this for 20 some years, and I'm just glad to see Chattanooga did a good job. It kind of fell by the wayside since then, and I'm looking forward to Madison's plan. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of innovation there. Give kudos to Jeff Hearn and his team. And uh, I think they've been very proactive and they've really embraced the SIGs, trying to help bring those back and and other things too. So uh, if you can support them, I think that's great. Aaron, what were your impressions of the contest room and the contest overall? Jim had mentioned earlier that he was overwhelmed by the vendor room. And uh, that's how I thought about the contest room. I'd walk in the door and just the sheer scale and size was just amazing to me. Uh, So over overwhelmed, I guess, in a good way. Um, and I would agree with you, Scott, the lighting was great and lighting can just make or break a contest. And and it was nice to have good lighting. Um, I love the table risers. Um, I, I do hear, you know, the same feedback that that perhaps maybe there's an adjustment that needs to be made down a little bit on them for both uh, kids and people in scooters. So uh, that's certainly, I, I think, something taken in consideration for uh, next year. But, you know, live and learn. I think it's it was great that it was at least a Attempted this year uh, to to make some adjustments to make it easier to view the models and hopefully that can the right point can be found to make uh, you know you know make everyone happy and make it easy for everyone to see um, and I just there were so many models it just it almost felt like an injustice to just go in and just browse around and skim because the, the quality of work was so great that you know I, I feel bad you know each one of those models somebody spent hours and hours and hours on it and you just couldn't really take it all in. Um, I'll, I'll take it off in little bites and pieces, just a few tables here or there, and then I'll go look around the vendors and then come back. And uh, I thought it was neat that t- to me, I felt like it was a, a good distribution of types of models. You know, there are a couple of tables of airplanes, armor, figures, ships, automotive, and then even into sci-fi. Um, like there's a good, it wasn't just, wasn't just airplanes, which was, you know, when I was a kid, kind of my experience of IPMS. Uh, so there was, there was something out there for everyone. Um, and there were a lot more, at least in my mind, kit uh, collections and group builds. You know, we had the, the Machine and Krieger group build, which was awesome to see how many people, you know, built something Mac uh, that probably more built Mac in a, in a room in at least the United States than ever before would be my guess. And, you know, the junior displays, I think the one piece of feedback I saw somebody mention online is, why don't we put the junior displays up front closer to the the entrance and show the future of of the hobby up front and center. And I think that was a great suggestion. Uh, there's definitely some some great quality junior builds and uh, it'd be cool to see those a little bit more up front and center for people to appreciate. But I mean, overall, I think it was a great contest. I had a, I had a good time going and viewing. I didn't have that many of my own entries in there, which was kind of cool because I maybe wasn't as invested myself in it personally. And I could just sit there and enjoy everyone else's work. Um, I, I, I volunteered to judge uh, as I did last year in Omaha and I've done at local shows and at amps. So I've got, I think, a pretty good experience on judging in different types, you know, one, two, three or gold, silver, bronze. And, and you know, I walked in the room and JB pointed at me, says, you on my team. And I was perfectly fine with that. We've judged before and I think can judge through pretty efficiently and fairly, you know, in the, in the time frame of judging, I think we got through six categories uh, with, uh, JB, myself, uh, Bruce and, uh, OG, OJT judge Tyler. And, you know, some of those categories were pretty heavy categories that 29 entries, I think in one for German armor, uh, some great builds to go through, but in, in those six categories, we judge, we were also able to leave a little line of feedback on the back of everyone's sheets, at least those who did not place. So they maybe had a little bit of an understanding of, of what it was they 
maybe could work on in their modeling and improve on for next time. And uh, that's something that people have always said can't be done, can't be done in the IPMS format. And I guess what it can, it doesn't take that much longer to do it. So, uh, but overall, I think it was, it was a great contest. And, uh, you know, I, I've definitely seen in some of the, the comments online. And I would also feel we, we didn't need to pick up any models. If we picked them up, it was by the base to move them, maybe look at wheel alignment, but uh, we weren't picking up models that were off their bases for any reasons, nor did we need to, to, you know, I think fairly judge for a winner. So there's improvements that can certainly be made in any sort of contest. And there's, there's, I think some good discussions to be had, but it was still a great time. There's nothing that's going to detract me from going back again to the Madison next year. Awesome. Yeah. That's, I mean, as like you said, I think the goal should be that, you know, um, every year we try and make it a little bit better. And uh, as John mentioned, and I mentioned, uh, get that feedback back to IPMS, the e-board and the NCC, you know, get your feedback to them, give them the opportunity to to take a look at that. Uh, Doug, what were your, impressions of the contest well it was stunning the work i saw i I will admit that i didn't see everything every time i i see people posting pictures online of one of their favorite things i'm like i don't think i saw that one and it's not for lack of trying the only complaint i have i'm not even going to talk about the contest but the 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 room was there the the aisles between the tables were kind of narrow so there were times when you weren't going to get a look at something without having to like try to get your way around other groups um and squeeze through people and and so i did miss a few models probably more than a few but overall the the quality of the work was amazing it's inspiring to be honest I, I i think you know i could probably make something that might actually fit in on some of these tables but i just i just am blown away by the level of work that these people are capable of we've mentioned our our group build that was insanely cool um, all the different ideas. People came up with their own creative ways of doing things. The other group builds, there were some really neat ones The, the from, let's see, I think they came up from Mexico. The guys that did the, the aces, a bust of an ace with a model of his aircraft from World War One through through World War Two, and it was a it was a great display. I think that one took first. Just neat, neat stuff. Yeah, I agree. I mean, seeing you know, just walking into a room that had you know Bobbles Blockade Runner and John Everett's one to one scale dinosaur and Bruce Hazumi's you know Return of the Wine Tasters and John's work. I mean, you know. It, is that's inspiration right there so yeah really really top-notch quality nuke man what do you what was your uh kind of impressions of the contest well first off i'm in the middle of a thunderstorm right now so <laughs> but uh overall i the big thing is for me i always get overwhelmed whenever i walk into the contest rooms um in general i always have a hard time focusing and looking at what i need to i always appreciate when people take good pictures so i can look at them later but uh overwhelmed with not only the quantity of what was there but just the quality was absolutely amazing. I think one of the things that really stuck out with me is starting to be able, well, seeing so many models I've seen online and I've talked to people about, you know, the stuff that to see it in real life where I've seen nothing but pictures before was really, really cool. And I really, really appreciated to get to do that contest in general. And that's is always tough for me. It's always good though. Whenever you're in a competitive category and your three friends take a sweep of that category over you. So that is always good. Uh, he appreciated. So, um, but no, absolutely. The lighting was gorgeous. I had a hard time getting around to everything. You know, meeting and talking with people in there was definitely the big thing more than ever winning anything there. 
So, yeah, that's well said. Um, but, but again, over 3,100 models, just, you know, a really great opportunity for, for inspiration. And, uh, I wanted to shout out Grant for his collection of dwarves. The presentations on that were, were really great. I mean, we just go on and on and on. So anyway, well, I think that's a pretty good wrap up, um, from the show. You know, let's, uh, one thing I do want to spend a little bit more time before we close the door on, uh, an amazing San Marcos is maybe, uh, turn the mic over to Grant for a minute and then talk about, uh, our Mac group build, uh, the participation and the quality was awesome uh, before I let Grant kind of talk generally <laughs> Andy Andy Taylor brought a machine in Krieger suit and incorporated it into a Monty Python motif. And it was awesome, man. It was the, the creativity was great. But anyway, uh, Grant, uh, what'd you think about our, our group build and what were some highlights for you? The group build was fantastic. As some of the, as the people have said before, it was, we had over 40 entries, which was, that was great. And I, I think that's the most machining Krieger I've seen on table of the States. So that was really great. We had everything, you know, you, you mentioned the Monty Python, you, you, you talk about the frog. There was there was SAF suits. There was Mark ones. There was Mark twos. There was nut rockers. There was everything on the table. And it you know it was it was kind of funny because when we first got there on Wednesday, you know people were like, where where do we go? Where do we set up our machine grade? We didn't have a set space yet. And I'm like, just hold on to that one right now. We're, we're going to. And all of a sudden, I think it was Wednesday, or Thursday. It just went crazy that table you know it was it was fantastic it was really a fantastic fantastic uh a group of models that that were showed up you know and i want to i want to pick out one and for the highlight and it's a gentleman who couldn't make it who got covid the day before literally before he was supposed to leave and, and that's cliff herring's uh you know ammonite and if you haven't seen the pictures of all the call outs yet it is amazing Cliff's a great guy and, and the stuff he hid in this thing, you've got to see it. Cause I, I found a few of these and, and not lying. There's some easy ones the you know, the California and stuff like that. And, but there's like tiny, tiny little things, you know, and if you look at the picture, there's, you know, there's, it's got Scott's nickname on it, you know, it, it, you know, and there's also the Utah state symbol on the side. There's um, the Colorado silhouette for JB, you know, on there, there's, um, the front armor, the, the, uh, can't say it right now. JB's favorite dessert, uh, Funfetti. Funfetti. Sorry, I could not say that word. I'm, that's on there. There's the date of the very first podcast on there, on the front, right on the front of the visor, right above the visor. There is uh, signal lights are in Steelers colors. I don't know who the Steelers fans is, but, you know, sorry. But, you know, there's the Steelers there. There's the P for the posse. There's um, my third Ranger bat symbol on the back. You know, Rangers lead the way. Thank you. Uh, there's the postcode postcode for Jensen on the back. His postcode is on the back. Utah State symbol again uh, for Scott and Doug. You know, there's the California plate we talked about. There's the Virginia silhouette. This was, I didn't even see this one. I was on the back of, right above the engine compartment. If you look really closely, there's a silhouette of the Virginia for uh, TJ on there. There's also the box itself has the number 74, which is the current episode we're on that is released right now for, you know, that's on there. There's the the white crayon, the famous white crayon for uh, Jensen, you know, and there's just, you know, the, there's the, uh, the clean slate build on, on the laser the, you know, the, I could go, there's so many things on this little build and, you know, Cliff, we missed you, man. We really miss you. And we understand, but man, we missed you. Um, it was such a great 
fun time to see the growth of this group build to what it was. Um, it, it, it was it was inspiring to me. Um, it was inspiring, inspiring to all of us in the posse to see you guys, you know, attach this and grab this, this, this build and, and do what you did. And the models there were fantastic. They could have competed in my opinion, they could have competed on the tables very easily, very, very easily. You guys are all extremely talented and all of us, all of us here at the posse really appreciate uh, at what you did uh, for us. And that's, that comes from the heart for all of us. We do appreciate it. Yeah. Shout out to Scott Hall. Did his first ever machining Krieger kit. It was lit. It was levitating. Yep. It had a base. It had another suit on it. Yeah. I mean, he went, he, he went the full enchilada. So yeah. yeah th- anyway. Craig too, you know, Craig, yeah. I brought one all the way up from Australia for us. So it yeah. was, you know, it was, it was amazing. Fantastic. As as always, thank you for participating. Um, our group builds uh, starting in Vegas and through the last two nationals, the posse supported us. Uh, uh, it's a, it's amazing. We really appreciate it. All right. Well, let's turn some time over to Mr. Doug, who's going to walk us through our calendar of upcoming shows. Okay. This is a pretty good list, man. We keep getting uh, people suggesting uh, shows that they'd like to hear a shout out. We're going to start with the Northeast Mecca Modeling Expo. It'll be held at the Mecca Warehouse in Concord, New Hampshire on August 13th. Saturday, August 19th, 23. It's the Best of the West Model Show at the Orleans Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. August 26th and 27th, the Tank Farm Show in Noakesville, Virginia. Look at their website, americansinwartime.org. Ventura County IPMS and IPMS 101 Wonders present the first annual WonderCon held in Oxnard, California at the Murphy Auto Museum, September 9th, 2023 from 9 to 4. Boise IPMS Fall Show, September 9th, 2023. Contact Brian Geiger, modeler63 at yahoo.com to reserve a table and sponsor a category. Details at ipmsboise.org.fallshow.html. Central Arkansas Scale Modelers 22nd Annual Show, September 29th to 30th, 2023 at the Jacksonville Community Center, a few miles northeast of Little Rock. This one looks awesome with seminars by Jim Rice, Rusty Nail, and Ken Childress. IPMS Orange Con Model Show, Buena Park, California is October 1st. PatCon will be on Sunday, October 1st from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Hudson Elks Lodge in Hudson, Massachusetts. That was that was PatCon. Then we've got PaxCon, aka GeekFest, at the Hollywood Volunteer Fire Department in Hollywood, Maryland, on October 7th. This year's IPMS Vancouver Fall Show will be at the Bonsoir Recreation Complex, Burnaby, British Columbia, on Saturday, October 7th, 23. Also on October 7th, we have the Reno IPMS High Rollers Show from 9 to 4. Details at RenoHighRollers.com. We have CapCon at the Canadian War Museum in Ottawa, October 14th. See all the details at ipmsottawa.com. Scale Model Challenge, Eindhoven, October 14th to 15th. MMSI Chicago Marriott in Schaumburg, October 20th to 21st. Bay Colony Modelers Club presents BayCon 2023, November 5th, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. in Franklin, Massachusetts. Scale Model World, Telford, Shropshire, United Kingdom, November 11th and 12th. Uh, I was given, uh, also as a highlight, a couple of the guys from different shows uh, gave me their flyers at the Triple P at Nationals. And I want to give a shout out to them real quick. 
We got the Huntsville Plastic Modeler Society, fabulous at 50, celebrating 50 years of modeling, August 26th uh, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Huntsville JC's building uh, in Huntsville, Alabama. And then we also have the 2023 model contest and swap meet October 14th at 2023 at the uh, Hobart Moose Lodge and uh, Hobart, Indiana. It's the IPMS Dunlin Show. And I really want to thank uh, John Fluke, who is the contest vendor for stopping by. And he's a really nice guy. And uh, get, please go out to his shows. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, let's take a little bit of a break and move into that conversation with John Chung. I know you guys are really going to enjoy this uh, deep dive with him. So here we go. Yeah, so I I don't know if uh, JB has told you this, but I I dug out this really old photo from years ago that someone took at Heritage Con, and there's it's just you know a bunch of us standing side by side for a, a photo op, uh, a bunch of us friends after a seminar at Heritage Con with Brett Con. Green. With Brett Green, yeah, that was yeah. oh that's got to be at least five years ago, five six years ago. Yeah, and you know like I knew everybody, I literally know everybody in that photo except this. <laughs> guy sitting to standing to my right i'm like who is this guy like why is he why is he standing over here, is he, here? he doesn't know us i don't know him at least not i know well i look a little closer wait a minute that's i think that's a guy on that podcast i listen to all the time <laughs> turns out it was jb <laughs> so i shot a photo over to him and said hey did you know that we crossed path we literally rubbed shoulders with each other <laughs> yeah that photo i mean i've known barry since i was born for crying out loud tony bell for a long time is yeah. harvey low in that picture oh yeah okay yeah, and then so. uh tony's john in wong. it as well oh john tony's in it. It. john yep john tony. wong yeah that's a heck of a picture i tell you what with those names i mean come on now who the hell is this guy? <laughs> Who's the armor builder in this group of airplanes? John and I were talking the other day, you know, I was talking to him about how fortunate he is. You know, I mentioned JB, you're part of a really rich modeling community in the Denver area. Grant, you're part of a very rich modeling community in Southern California. And John, he's up there with Harvey, Chris Wallace, Chris Sieber, Harvey Lowe. Um, Tony Bell, you know, that, that Toronto area is just, I mean, you can't, you can't throw a rock without hitting a world-class modeler, you know, John Chung. I mean, it's just amazing community. He's a part of up there. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, you know, I, I mentioned this to Scott that when I was growing up, my, my parents, my dad and my mom would both drive me to IPM's meetings since I was an early teenager. Uh, and I would I would rub shoulders with these giants in the model building community. Now, Harvey Lowe, I remember meeting him when I was probably 12 or 13 years old. Tony Bell, every time I go to a contest, his model would just blow me away by how precise and pristine and well-built. Yeah, and it's people like this that really inspire me growing up, that really push me growing up. Yeah, to this day, still, I still look up to them as you know, the ones that really have positively influenced me and affected me in every way, every fiber of my being as a model builder is you know, in some way nurtured by these people that I've had to, you know, the blessing and the pleasure of being around. John, was that IPMS Toronto? Yes. Uh, okay. IPMS Toronto, yeah. Yeah, they, they have a solid group and a solid selection of hobby shops. So unfortunately, Hornet's gone, RIP. 
Maybe yep. it'll maybe it'll come back in some form one day. But Dave Brown's place was awesome. Another name, Dave Forrest. Sorry, yep. another Toronto <laughs> Dave name. Forrest, yep. Yeah, is another great Toronto modeler, Sandy McRoy. Yep. For hobby shops, were you finding yourself at Hornet and then uh, Wings and Wheels? Wheels and Wings is and the wheels. hobby shop to go to now uh, in Toronto in, in the in the GTA area. There are a few smaller shops just outside of the GTA proper. But Wheels and Wings is, they're nicely situated. They're close to downtown. They're sort of, you know, they're pretty decently stocked. There are, the staff are very knowledgeable. Kyle Hood is one of the ones that, you see his name around online as well. He's very knowledgeable, very helpful, very friendly. When I was growing up, there were a few hobby shops that have been around for 30, 40, 50 years that have since closed because, you know, being around that long, the owners would retire. But yeah, like, but prior to going to IPN's meetings, I would I would show up at the hobby shop every Saturday morning you know, as, as a teenager and just listen to stories of model building, but also of peripheral interest, you know, like stories. Some of these guys have been in military. Some of these guys have family members have been in militaries and have served and or been pilots, for instance. And these are inspirations, eh? <laughs> I would go in there and old hobby shop, you walk in, it's always smelled like secondhand smoke. I didn't care. <laughs> that's how you know it's I, legit yeah i know for sure right you open up the uh no, the, the 40 smells like a swisher suite <laughs> 40 year old monogram box and the box itself just just turned yellow from all the secondhand smoke yeah <laughs> smells yeah, like sec- secondhand smoke and humble paint yeah <laughs> <laughs> the odd coffee stains here and there that's how you know it's legitimate john i remember the first time i went to hornet and you you describe exactly what i experienced when you walk in and there's harvey lowe's mm-hmm. nagato you know Tony Bell has his work there. Yeah. Harvey Lowe's stuff is in the basement. So really, yeah. uh, like you said, inspirational. You can sit there. You can learn from these guys. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's just a really great scene. And I think your show scene up there is really good, too. We mentioned Heritage Con all the time. But there's also Torcan, which is a great show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Torcan's been around for a very long time. I think it has always been Peel Region Model Builder Club project. I I'm, I could be wrong. It, it could have been an, an IPMS. Uh, Toronto show years ago. It, it, it's always being sort of within the city proper of Toronto, the show to go to every every year, at least in the spring. There used to be a, a another show in October, in late October called Harwood in the city of Ajax, just outside of Toronto, east oh, side yeah, of Toronto. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, that was a really good show until uh, the main guy who helped organize it, sort of he, he was a, a retired school teacher that I believe he taught at that school. Mm-hmm. So he would uh, negotiate with the school for the clubs to basically use the facility either at cost or almost free. And then all the proceeds from the show will go towards helping the school out yeah, uh, or the community of that sort. So that was a really good show to go to in the fall. Heritage Con, 15 years now, I think. Uh, 14, 15 years now. Uh, I remember when the show was first starting out and it was... No, it wasn't as well known back then because it was you know, a little bit out of, outside of the city. But over the years, Alan Miro and his crew have done a fantastic job of uh, building up the, the rapport uh, and supporting the community and also supporting the uh, the museum over there. It's uh, For those that don't know, it's at the Canadian Warpling Heritage Museum. And it's the largest flying museum in Canada where most of their collection is in flyable condition. Uh, in fact, they have one of the two airworthy Lancasters today. So it's a it's the venue itself is essentially a large hangar, which is ideal for hosting large events. And that 
has turned into a great symbiotic relationship between IPMS Hamilton and the museum itself. I'm pretty sure that this past year, they maxed out the entrance room for the museum so much that they had get they had to stop people from going in because the fire marshals showed up and said you can't fit any more people in the building. I don't know if that's ever happened at the show. I don't think so, but I don't believe it's happened much in the history of the museum either. So you can see it's 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 a pretty good relationship that the the show brings out. Yeah, for sure. I, I remember talking to Alan. Um the museum, they they love them. They it's the biggest show they have of the year. I've I remember talking to him a few years back and they asked him, hey, do you mind doing it twice a year? And he's like, I, I don't think we can do that. But I, it's certainly a very popular event. You know, it certainly could be something for for two days for crying out loud. It's it's an amazing event. I think, like you said, they have a winning formula. They're leveraging social media and really just bolstering the social aspect of the show, too. And I think it's just great. I think it started going to community events, so club meetings and contests in probably the late 90s. Okay. So. Well, you've been around for quite a while, eh? Well, I mean, I, I feel like Canada. I was, I was born. Yeah, I mean, he's the youngest of the three. <laughs> yeah. Well, I it's, mean, I remember growing up, I'd go to shows when I was like, since I was like four or five years old. But wow, especially yeah. Canada, IPMS, you know, Canada when they had the Nationals in Ontario, my dad was always really good friends with Harvey Lowe, so we knew Harvey. Right. Gates Basson, let's see. But yeah, those guys. And then uh, obviously Tony Bell, uh, John as well. And just that whole crew up there, really good. And then obviously the hobby shops as well. So it was, yeah. you know, it was a thing. Toronto was the place to go. You go to the show, you do the hobby shops. I remember even in the early 2000s, we did the hobby shop run. And then also we went a little north to CFB Borden to yep. uh, to their museum and then hit yeah. Canadian Warplane Heritage uh, and then came back through Buffalo. That was when the blackouts happened back. I want to say like oh yeah, one oh two. I remember that two time frame. I, but yeah, Toronto was ninety nine. Was it maybe even before the two thousand? Yeah, yeah 2000, you know, like that, I yeah. think two thousand sounds right. Um, yeah, I remember that. It was uh, Toronto's always been a good place. Always real strong for hobbyists and great hobby shops, great people. And I I really want to see the Canadian Nationals come back, man. Yeah, you know, I I think it probably helps that we have. I think it's what, like the quarter quarter of Canadian population living in the GTA area. Yeah. Wow. We have we have no other major urban centers that even come close. I mean Vancouver is pretty populous. Uh yeah. so are Ottawa and Montreal, but it's not it's not the same as Toronto, right? Yeah. So it's not it's not in the same as in the States where every every single state you have some sort of major urban centers that are comparable in size. Uh and then you have Mega cities like New York and, and San Francisco, Los Angeles, and Houston, Texas, to some degree. But in Canada, yeah, that Toronto is where you where you go, uh, especially as a, I mean, I my family immigrated from Asia when I was really really young, and that's mm-hmm. you know, we go straight to we went straight to Toronto because that's where you gotta go if you want to start out on the right foot. And I think that that the uh, the hodgepodge of different backgrounds of individual really helps to build up that community of model builders. One of the uh, one of the founders, I think if not the the original founder of IPM is Toronto, Derek Pennington, he's since passed away. He came from the UK. I th- I believe he settled right in Toronto and hmm. he, he started IPM is Toronto back in the sixties or seventies because of it. So there's there's always that origin story of where people came from and how they got here and they established the roots. 
they build our communities. Going back to Hornet Hobbies, I remember when Dave Brown was talking about starting Hornet Hobbies. Wow. That was his passion project. Yeah, and he finally, you know, like he finally did it, and we're so happy for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, we would all visit, right, just to show support for. I mean, it wasn't the biggest hobby shop. It wasn't the the most plentiful selection. The prices weren't all like the most competitive sometimes, but he was our friend and we would always go and support him. We would, we would have our models there. I, I, I never did. I was not good enough. Oh, please. <laughs> but, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, like we would go to his basement and we'll just, we'll just hang out. We'll just chit chat. You know, we'll have group builds in the basement uh, once in a while. That basement. It was great. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, you know, for our listeners, Horner Hobbies. It, it was a place, it reminded me of like the local bar. It was like the Cheers bar. Um, everybody <laughs> knows your name. You walk in, you walk into the hobby yep. shop and there's not a lot of organization. It kind of reminds you of your stash room where it's a little disorganized, a little bit of everything. And the basement is where it's at. And I remember the first time I went there, I've told the story before, but Dave Brown didn't even know me. I was like, is that Harvey Lowe's Nagato? Is that Mike Rinaldi's Stug 3? He's like, oh, yeah, let me show you the basement. And then he took us to <laughs> dinner and had beer there afterwards, watched the Leafs play. I mean, talk about a wholesome, you know, really encouraging place for the hobby. That's what Horner Hobbies was. And, I, man, I would I would love to do the same someday, you know, maybe in retirement, never from now. because <laughs> yes, But, uh, no, you, you bring up a really good point. So, John, I think – You've been exposed to all this at a really young age. Do you, I want to take a turn to the professional side. Do you think that influenced your professional career path in engineering and aerospace? Oh, yeah, for sure. So when I was doing my undergrad in university, college, I guess, for Americans, I had a hard time finding placement internship during the summer months. And when you're in undergrad, that's how you build up rapport, right? That's how you build up relationships so that when you do graduate, you can get a real paying job that is that has longevity. So I was you now finishing up my fourth year, my final year of university, and I was you know, quite quite anxious because I had nothing to put on my resume. And then I got an email from this guy named John Wong. He's like, hey, uh, I, I, I know that you're finishing up your aerospace engineering degree. You want to come over to our company and just check it out? You know, just want to see how we are. I'm like, okay, who, who, who is this guy? A professional. I know he's a model builder, but is he just like, like a Joe Nobody, some aviation company that I've never heard of? So I, so I go, you know, it's a small company called Deca Aviation beside the airport. I walk in, you know, very, very humble place, very, very homely place. And I, I go into this office and this, this old gentleman, um, Bob Foster sat me down and he started telling me about all the projects that they're doing. And, you know, back then they were working on some passenger to cargo combi conversions for airliners and water bomber projects for forest fires in Canada and abroad. And okay, that sounds pretty interesting. You know, aircraft modification. In my mind, the place to go to after graduation was always Bombardier, you know, an OEM of some sort. You now about 20, 30 minutes later, you no, know, no, he's like, hey, you wanna do you want to walk around and show you all the filing cabinets and everything? I'm like, okay, that's weird. By the way, I was wearing like a t-shirt and a jeans, eh? <laughs> I walked around to the back of the back of the office area and John Wong stepped out of his office. He's, he's got no his own office. I'm like, okay, well, I guess he's, he's bigger shot than I thought. Uh, we chatted a little bit. We go back to the front office. We sat down and then they just like, so when do you want to start? Like, what? Was, was that an interview? <laughs> Some sort? I, I'm To this day, I'm extremely thankful for, for John Wong. He's, uh, for those that don't know, John Wong's a, 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 a giant of the model building community in the Toronto area for a very very long time. He's very humble. He's very unassuming. He 
he's probably listening to this right now and he's gonna shoot me an email later telling me why did I put him on a spot. But yeah, he gave me my first job out of university as an aircraft engineer. And I, I cumulatively, I, I worked at that company for just over 10 years. And he, he was a friend. He was a mentor. He was、uh, someone that has significant influence on my life, both professional and personal. And yeah, to this day,、uh, my wife and I, we, we call him my work dad. <laughs> so that's what he, he was and is to me still. Yeah. And, and it, was, it was in that environment where、uh, I got to practice both my, I guess, I was able to allow my passion for model building as a hobby, as well as、um, my propensity for engineering、uh, to flourish, sort of you know, in, that, in that environment where it was an environment where I was able to allow the hobbyist side of me and the professional side of me to symbiotically grow. And I was able to be better as a result. John, speaking of passion, I mean, we'll talk about several of your projects during this interview, but I want to talk about a project that、uh, you've been working on for a very, very long time your shuttle. I mean, let's just be upfront and honest. The kit that you started with is not a great kit. I wouldn't say it's a good kit, but I mean, you have been over the course of Yeah, I'll let you tell the story, but kind of walk us through the apex of where your shuttle project started and how a person is so passionate about a work. <laughs> you mean monogram is not state of the art? <laughs> how dare you say that, Scott? Yeah. So before I start,、uh, I made this joke to Scott prior that my wife made to me that I'm probably the only person that's alive who's so well known for a model that I'm not anywhere close to finishing. <laughs> I, I, I've、uh, shared before、uh, that the, the model that I'm building right now、uh, is a 40 year old kit made by Monogram in the late 1970s.、Um, it's the 72nd scale Monogram Space Shuttle Orbiter. The actual kit itself was actually gifted to me by my parents as a birthday gift. When I was a teenager, I've been bitten by the space bug ever since I watched the movie Apollo 13. My aunt took me to see the movie. She's since passed away. God bless her soul. But、um, ever since then, I, I've been enamored and fascinated by the world of spacecraft and aircraft. When I was 12 or 13, I think I, I built my first、um, iteration of this kit. And a few years later, I, I thought I, I'd do it again because you know, my skills have drastically improved in the three years between when I was like 11 and 13 years old, right? So I, I want to do it again. And I, I remember being in the car driving home with my father and he said, that, Don't you already have one of these? I'm like, Yeah. And I, I, just, I just left it at that. Over the next 20, 30 years or so, I've actually had a few、um, false starts, so to speak. Have you guys seen that documentary, Free Solo, about the guy that wanted to climb Al Cap on、yeah. his own? And he had, he、yeah. had a couple of false starts. I could relate to that 100% because I, I literally have had a couple of false starts of this kid where I, there's, there's one instance where I, I opened the, the kit up and said, okay, this is it, I'm going to do it. And I started scribing the wing. That's where I started because it's flat, right? I did the bottom of one of the olive ones and that's it. I quit. I just quit right on the spot. <laughs> And I, I had Monogram send me a replacement set of parts for that particular wing. It was, it was like that for 20, 30 years where I kept wanting to go back 
to restart a project. And in that process, I, I, I will grow and develop as a model builder more and more uh, to know that I'm not there yet. I just knew that I'm not there yet because the more I learn about myself as a model builder, the more I learn about the subject matter, the space shuttle itself, the more I got scared. I got really scared of how complex and how major this project would have been. You guys probably have you know, been following me for a while and you know the amount of meticulous attention that goes into not just the execution of the work, but the planning that goes into it, as well as the research from materials. It's and- like a, it's like the double-edged sword because, you know, um, as you continue talking about sort of your research, the more you researched it, the more you wanted to, to improve your skills to match the level of your of your research. Just amazing. Can, can you talk about, you know, the research and where you where that journey led you? Oh, yeah, for sure. So so research when early 90s, right, there, there, there was no there was no Internet where you can find 3D scans of a subject matter. Um, now I have the Smithsonian 3D scan. Back then with just books, there's this book by this guy named Jenkins called Space Shuttle. As that was the Bible of the Space Shuttle program. You want to really learn about the orbiter. In addition to that, I actually wrote a letter to NASA uh, as a teenager, and they sent me a binder full of technical documentation, so that added to my library. And in the early 2000s, when they were finishing up the space shuttle program after Columbia, NASA started putting imagery online, high-resolution imagery. So I would download these imagery with my dial-up modem, you know, just staying up all night, downloading everything off their database. And now you can find Smithsonian 3D scan of the space shuttle discovery that's sitting in the Ubahazi Museum. Uh, so over over the span of 20, 30 years, there's a lot I've accumulated in all sorts of different medium. Uh, but I, I gotta say something that is uh, that has exceeded my expectation. It's sort of a surprise, pleasant surprise, is that the advent of social media has really opened the floodgate to not just the information that you can get, but the individuals that you are or I have been able to cross paths with. There is is there are people who have been on the shuttle program all of their life that have worked on the orbiter vehicles, that have saw my work and have reached out with helping hand with helpful information and tips and you know, just things of that nature where you are Sometimes I will receive a message from someone who's worked on the, for instance, the aft space shuttle engine bell dome. And they'll say, Hey, I, I physically put those thermal blankets there. And this is how it is as opposed to this other image that you show on, on your post a couple of days ago. And I would just be blown away. You know, like, who am I? I'm just, I'm just some guy who's passionate about space shuttle. Meanwhile, this person who have dedicated their lives to working on the actual vehicle is reaching out to me to educate me about something that he has dedicated his life to. So that's that process is is rewarding to me. Uh, I feel over and again honored to be able to cross paths with these individuals uh, that have helped me along the way. But going back to what we were talking about earlier about the journey of wanting to build the space shuttle over the years and how I've changed as a model builder, I think something that I have really I had to struggle with as a person, as a model builder, is how I would approach the detail and the accuracy aspect of it. I think that's that is paramount in how I'm executing my build. When I was 
a fresh model builder. You know how we all go through the phase where you you when you when you first starting, you just want to slap a model together, tube glue, paintbrush. That's kind of like the uh, the honeymoon period of model building, and then you started to practice with things that are outside your comfort zone, like resin aftermarkets and aftermarket decals, and you would learn how to scratch build and you learn how to scribe details, and that kind of snowballs. And I had to go through that phase where I would struggle with techniques, but also how far I should take detailing uh, or accuracy uh, or weathering. Yeah, so I had to find a happy medium where I could find my own limit to how far I'm able to take a certain technique or a certain uh, perspective on a model and then not take it any further. For the viewers at home, I'm sharing a picture of uh, John's model. And uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with John's work, go to Facebook and he's Scale Scriber on uh, Facebook. And you're going to want to go take a look at this. But your happy medium and your compromise (laughs) is like Leonardo da Vinci taking a look at one of his works and going, you know, I think I've gotten to a place where I can can live with this, John. Um, Amazing. Anyway, oh, I've, been, I, I've interrupted <laughs> you, but that, that's what we're looking at uh, right now. Oh, no, no. I, I honestly feel like I'm just rambling right now. <laughs> yeah, this picture is, is kind of sentimental to me because uh, the company I work for now, Story Musgrave, who is an astronaut who actually mm-hmm. flew the space shuttle, flew on the space shuttle yep. several times, uh, worked on the Hubble through the space shuttle. I showed him that picture and he's like, well, where did you get a picture of the, the space shuttle was under construction? And I'm like, no. That's the mon. That's a monogram kit of your the vehicle you flew, and he's like, "No, it's not." And I'm like, "Yes, it is." So we had this big long conversation, and I'm showing you his work, and he's like, "He's got the actual small." Because we were looking at the engine. He is a big engine guy. We were looking at the the, the the tri-engines on the back, and he's like, "You've actually got the small heat pads on the back of the engine compartment." Nobody does that. And I'm like, yeah, it, it's, and he was like, he was so impressed. He was, and, you know, taking it from a guy that has many hours in space and what he did, um, it, 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 you know, that's the, you know, I, I, you, you should take that as a very big honor. He's, he's a hell of a guy and he really loves your work. So wait, you, you show my spatial mm-hmm. model to story Musgrave. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm absolutely speechless. Right? This is exactly <laughs> what it meant, right? Like, like I, I'm, I'm constantly mind blown and just extremely humbled about the people yeah. that I get to cross path with, either directly or indirectly. Like, he's the, probably the only guy who's flown all five orbiters. Yes. Yep, four or five. Yeah, and he's wow. He's 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 like a god in my mind. <laughs> Wow, well, thank you. I really, I really, really appreciate that. Wow. No, no problem. And he's, you know, I'll, I will definitely pass along, you know, this that you appreciate his work, his what he's done. But yeah, he 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 said if you ever talk to that guy, just tell him he's he nailed it. And you see, so uh, well, what an so, honor. Thank you so yeah. much. No, no problem. Sorry, Musgrave. Wow, people, if you don't know who Sorry Musgrave is, just just hit his name up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a lot of great books too. So you know, he does. He oh. did fly over. He did the flyovers Australia, where you can, you know, you see the whole area. But you know, it, going back to your work, he, like I said, he 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 was a bi- he's a big fan. So congratulations! Wow, thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, I, I I was just going to say, like it's it's moments like this that help me push on through. Uh, that I know that you know, not only am I finally doing what I always wanted to do. This is a this is a passion project. I wanted to do is. A, do this model well as a tribute to foremost my parents 
who have supported me along the years, you know, as, as, a, as a child who with this passion, just extreme passion for, for spacecraft and then you know, into my professional years as, a, as an aerospace engineer, but also to you know the people, the broader sense of the people who have dedicated their life to, to, to aerospace and to have that come back, to have that interaction, really, it's, it's just tremendous. It, it pushes pushes me through, you know, the, the monotonous period of having to sit there for hours on end and scribing the thermal blankets and scribing the tiles and thinking, well, nobody will ever notice that area in the back on the engine bell that you know, I'm putting in. And, but people do notice, and, and that's, that's, that's very humbling. It's very encouraging. For those people out there that, I mean, mo- most of the modelers in the community are going to be at least familiar with this orbit or they've seen it. Uh, most people have seen this kit. I built this kit when I was a kid. You know, uh, a lot of people have had experience with it. You know, the space shuttle was hugely influential, I think, and especially those of us that are a little longer in the tooth than you are. <laughs> you know, maybe kind of walk us through, you know, that picture I shared, what your process is, what, what you've done so far. You know, when we, we're talking about adding tile detail, we're adding blanket detail. I mean, what tools are you using? You know, how how are you going back to your references? Kind of walk walk the listeners through what this looks like as you're working on it um, to get this amazing result. Yeah, so I think uh, just off my head, there there are two two main aspects to this. When I'm inspired by a subject, in this case, the space shuttle, but this applies to everything else that I do in in the model building sense. I'm usually inspired by the history of the subject, the technical aspect of the subject uh, as an engineer. And I'm also like, I, I'm inspired by the aesthetics of the subject, how it looks. I think that the looks in particular is very important. When it comes to the space shuttle, there's the intricate details that immediately strikes you, uh, strikes me when I, when I look at an image of the shuttle from, from the outside, you know, the tiles, the blankets, the topography. And that, I think that is essential to really, really bring out what the shuttle was as a machine, as, you no, know, as a, as a tool and as a, it's almost like a living, breathing animal in some ways, uh, that, uh, goes through its life, uh, interacting with the environment and interacting with, uh, the, the people that, that live and work around it. So to me, being able to reasonably replicate the thermal protection system specifically is, is, is paramount. So it's, there, there, there are a few ways of doing this. That you know, have been attempted by other modelers over the year. Decals is one of the solutions that you no, know, you, you, you apply decals on the outside. That will give a facade of what the, the tiles look like, the thermal protection system will look like, and then there are the surgical tape method. For instance, essentially adhering uh, an actual fabric with uh, its quilted texture on the outside of the model in very thin layers. And surgical tape is one of which that people have used you know, uh, successfully successfully over the years. And then there's the uh, you know, literally cut individual tiles from strip styrene and glue it on method. But I think all of those were, were, were insufficient in some way. I think the space shuttle is, is very, very unique in having tiles that are specifically tailored to locations. Uh, you've heard of every, every other tiles uh, every tile will be different on the space shuttle. There's no two similar tiles. Um, and for me to be able to replicate that ac- accurately and then assuming that I will make mistakes, I will have to be able to correct it. So if I were to adhere tiles on the outside using styrene, then that would have been a lot more work to remedy if I were to fix it. 
if I want to uh, approach the thermal protection blankets, for instance, using the uh, fabric technique, then that would introduce surface textures that may not actually be there in scale. For instance, these even though the blankets are textured, they are actually very smooth aerodynamically. So in 70 second scale, they're almost flat, but with my new surface panel, panel line engravings, for instance, like if that's not really describing this very well, but there's, there'll be too much topography for to use uh, a certain, I guess, uh, fabric, fabric to blend onto it, the surface. It won't be in scale. Yeah, for sure. For those that actually pay attention, I would tailor the direction of the coating pattern on my thermal protection blankets to match as close as possible to those on the real subject. And that would be very difficult to do if I were to cut uh, surgical tapes and adhere them onto the side of the model. I think the reason why I'm rambling on and on about all of these is is I, I'm trying to distill my potential approach down to one that I can actually reasonably execute it, it it channeled down to just scribing you know good old-fashioned scribing with a scriber tool extremely labor intensive but so is a lot of things in model building i think <laughs> definitely i mean the level of detail that you're doing obviously starts with the research you know you've mentioned the 3d scans from the smithsonian we're looking at a picture of the tail right now but i mean obviously the amount of of detail that you're putting into each one of these sections means you've got to know each one of those sections very, very intimately in order to replicate all these intricate patterns that you're scribing into the surface. Yeah, and this is uh, for sure. And I think this is one of the reasons why I wouldn't have been able to successfully successfully carry on this project if I had started just more than two or three years prior to when I did just because I would not have been able to have, say, the Smithsonian 3D scan to help me out. I had high resolution photos and imagery, but if I want to go in and zoom into, if you see the bottom of the rudder and the where it's in the shadows, there's no photograph that will have that sort of resolution or the you know, the various perspective I needed to see how the tiles are actually laid out and how they are in reference to each other. That's the resolution of detail that I needed in order to to build a model to this level of care and attention. So, you know, John, we uh, we talked about your approach with scribing. I'll, I'm going to ask, uh, you know, a question I have to ask that might be, uh, oh gosh, how can I phrase this? Um, I'm going to ask something obvious and potentially insulting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so all of this hard work, you know, the manual nature of scratch building, uh, the finesse, the personal connection, I'd say with an intricate piece like this, especially as you look around, um, you know, the engines and, and other aspects of the, uh, of this, of the shuttle as well. Do you, is there, is there at some point where I guess, first off, it seems like you've made the decision to go with actual scratch building, I should say, physical styrene, scribing scratch building as opposed mm -hmm. to scratch printing. That said, I'd love to address that on kind of the methodology behind that. And then the next follow-on question would be, do you see 3D entering the picture at any point as you look at some 
maybe more complex substructures uh, that could be better accomplished with 3D or or more accurate. So what are, what are your thoughts there? Uh, I'm going to address the second part of the question first. I think 3D printing has always been on the back of my mind when it comes to this project, especially for areas that are more repetitive. For instance, the three space shuttle main engines, if I were to detail one of them, it's not so bad. If I want to do three, it's probably not too bad either, but to do them consistently, yeah. I mean, anyone can hand carve out a single track link, right? But to do it, you know, like literally a hundred times. Uh, so I think for the space shuttle, there's always a chance, especially when it comes to the interior, which I'm seriously thinking of, of doing, opening up the payroll bay and showing off you know, the inside of the space shuttle. That may come in handy, but I think, I think, um, this is, this is, this is an aside, but I think every model builder needs to find themselves in the sense that they need to know what really makes them happy. No, not, not just what they are good at, not just what they can actually achieve technically and, and otherwise, but what actually makes them happy. If I'm not happy doing this, I would have given up a long time ago. And, and I think that's, I think everybody practices their hobby differently. Um, and I think that that shows in various ways. Some people, just like to collect. Some people just like to glue things together. Some people just like to paint. Some people actually like to scratch build. There is this uh, a Facebook page, Scale Model Art, US Navy Scale Model Art, I think. The guy scratch builds everything out of styrene and it just, it's incredible. Ben Shoemaker, he, he's doing a 3D printed 48 scale uh, vigilante and that's what makes him tick. Uh, and I think that that diversity is very, very important, not just for ourselves, but for, for us to support each other in our model building pursuits. So for me, I you know I talked about earlier how I, I needed to struggle with myself as a model builder to find a limit of how I want to finish my model and how much aftermarket I want to put on, how much weather I want to, um, to have on my models. I, I think. I had to come to that point as well when it comes to incorporating different techniques in this case, uh, specifically hand scratch building versus 3D. Because this is such a passion project with a, a heavy nostalgic slant. I wanted to, I wanted to infuse as much of my passion for, for craftsmanship, hand, good old hand, you know, hand builds craftsmanship into the model. And I mean, it's, it probably would have been a lot easier for me to just cat this thing up and press print, <laughs> you know, then for me to, to scratch wheel a, a, a set of tiles, no 500 of them to know that half, you know, probably, you know, like not, not, not as clean as I wanted to the first time or, you know, like that I, I've done this before where I scratch wheel a field of tile to realize that the relationship to the next field of 500 tile is not, it's not optimal. I have to do adjustments there. I have to fix fixed tile patterns and but but i think that's 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 what i enjoy i i enjoy just sitting down at my workbench just in the quietness or with a podcast going uh, and just work with my hands and there's something that i really really appreciate that i think I, i've come to you know how you look at your mom and you're like how do you cut that julienne so perfectly and then when your mom is asian and you're like you use a cleaver you don't use like a fancy french knife how do you cut that julienne so perfectly she's just like i, I just do it you know, that, that ability where the years of dedication and honing of the craft shows up in the final product. I think that really resonates with me. Uh, when I see a very, very cleanly done piece of work 
that's handcrafted or hand sculpted or hand scratch built that that inspires me that makes me happy and i think when i'm when I'm able to achieve that myself that makes me proud years ago when black box cockpit sets were around uh they used to post you no know, work in progress of hey this is the master that we're working on you know, for the next release we have and you look at it he just it just oozes craftsmanship right it just oozes competence and not just in how that person can craft and inscribe and to carve but the knowledge and the understanding of the material you know, whether you should use styrene for this bit or a solder wire or you should use a one type of cement versus the other. Uh, I think that innate background knowledge that comes from just dedication and 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 years of uh, working your craft to the the excellence that that you really needed to get to 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 attain that result. I think that is a bit of a lost art these days. I I think it's not something that even though it's not practiced as much now, I think people still have as much if not more appreciation for you know it's it's just very different when you walk into an art gallery and there is that hang carved piece of work by Leonardo da Vinci yeah. versus something that is cnc machine out of a piece of wood right like i'm not i'm not disparaging anyone here but it's just different and that brings us back to the comment that your wife made to you right which is like you're you're known for this model that's not finished well <laughs> you're known for this model that's not finished because people see that you're taking a needle and you're <laughs> you're turning this horrible 40 year old sort of kind of maybe in the ballpark uh model and you're actually turning it into a work of art oh, I, I appreciate that i'm not sure it's a work of art yet <laughs> but uh um I, I think that's that you, you brought a very good point in terms of how i communicate what i'm actually doing um not just the spatial maybe on all of some of my other other builds as well i try to tell a story with every post that i give and i try to do so uh, visually as well as in writing. I will usually provide images that are sort of a progression of, of the work I'm doing. Uh, no, I, I will start with what the subject used or the kit used to be and where I want to get it to and then how I get there and the tools I use and you know, the position of my needle. And if I scribe a line, there will be a burr and the next picture will be me taking a, a sandpaper or a knife to to address that burr and to to finesse it to a point where I could prime it. And now it's, it's, it looks something completely different. And then, and then at the end, I'll show you the, the before and, and, and after product. I think that that storytelling is very important for me because I don't do video, right? So I, for me to be able to communicate how I'm achieving a certain result or how to hopefully help others to do the same, that to be able to visually tell that story, uh, becomes all the more important. So that, that's, that's what I found myself to be a lot more cognizant of both um, on my Instagram as well as Facebook posts. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, no, no, no I, 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 I definitely see that, and I see it mostly. I, I love your page. Don't get me wrong, uh, I, I love it completely, and I love the way you describe the exact process in your page. Um, and I'm thinking of the F16 model you're working on, the 148 scale Tamayo. I think it's the E or F. I can't remember. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, sorry. No. Yeah, you you show the cockpit line, the, the line that's right behind the cockpit uh, yeah. on the top of the model, and you show how you scribe, how it goes together, and you see that you show a picture of it before with the, the the line with the light on it. You can see the line perfectly, and you show how you you that process and that that design that step 
by step by step process that you show is it for a guy like me who's you know I, I'm working my way into that kind of area. I want to be able to do more. And when you show that process like that, it, it is fantastic for someone like me who say, okay, this is how he did it. Um, he did this. He did this. He did, this. and your little call outs on the picture are another great idea. You know, I've seen that before, but it, you do it so well. And you know, you know, I love your space shuttle. We all do. But I think some of your better work is being done now on your your F sixteen. And I and that's just my personal thought. But you know, explain to us that process where you how you 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 came up with that and how you design that work uh, and how you go forward with. It. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. I appreciate that you noticed uh, those. I, I, th- I think something that a lot of the uh, modelers are coming to realize is if, if, I, if I branch out from what I'm used to, mm-hmm. especially into other genres, sometimes it makes me a better modeler and sometimes that also right. makes me a better communicator. So I, I actually have not been doing this until re- very recently, so in the past couple of years, uh, after I started looking into the, uh, the, the Gumpla community. So if you look at especially this is especially prevalent on Instagram, right? They'll have a photo of before and after adjacent to each other. Yeah, it's very very obvious the amount of work that they've done, and I haven't been seeing that as much in uh, at least the aircraft modeling community as much that 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 compare and contrast of what was before and what was at least not you know in a single pose or in a single photo adjacent to each other. So I think I think having that as a foundation in any sort of communication for what what I'm attempting to do or what I've done is 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 a good uh, framework for the discussion. So I I think for me to practice towards that, I needed to uh, step away from what I have been doing traditionally, which is more of the uh, you no know, like th- this is this is what I want to build. So I will show a kid with the screws and then. Here's what I've done, which is like, hey, look, a fuselage has been joined together with primer on it, but then showing nothing in between. So it, it definitely takes practice. It takes more deliberate thought to communicate to others, but also to myself. You know, like, you know how if when you're trying to practice any sort of physical activity, you have to be very deliberate in breaking down, hey, this is what I'm going to do next. This is what I'm going to do next. This is what I'm going to do next. Once I have that knowledge down in the back of my mind, then I slow down my build process. This is when my build goes from a five-minute exercise into a 20-minute exercise because now I have to take a picture every 30 seconds. I have to take a lot of pictures. Maybe when I have uh, the subjects posed this way, you'll communicate a certain ideology. If I have my subject posed it that way, then you'll I will be able to use the lighting a little better. An example would be um, something that really, really bothers me on my model is whether a contour on a subject is continuous. For aircraft, contours are extremely important. And sometimes the part doesn't fit well or a panel light isn't as well done. And then you get like a disjoint in the contours. So I will hold up to the light. I'll, I'll hold it up to a light in such a way that where if the model is just correctly backlit, you can see how well the contours are done or not. And to be able to photograph a model with the proper backlight to show that, it's a little tricky sometimes. So you know, over the years, I've come to not just improved on my photography, I've improved on my lighting in my photo setup and also how to hold my model, how to position my camera, how to post-process my imagery. I think all of that are different individual skills 
that have to come together that I had to learn over the years in order for me to communicate with a single photo or two what I'm trying to convey. So with all that just to say that it's you no, know, it's I've been challenged by stepping out of my comfort zone of not just you no, know, not 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 looking at you know the aircraft community circle for how we communicate ideas, but also uh, how I would go about uh, using technology in this case photography equipment as well as photo editing software to be able to you know generate the the imagery and the annotated diagrams that I would need to be able to help help me communicate what I'm doing. I, I'm just I'm 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 fabriclasted. It's 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 great. It's I love how you're talking, but I love how you're bringing all aspects of it together. And 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 the way you do this, how you talk about photography, how you talk about the angles, and how you how you're 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 bringing it all together. And it's just it's so you know excuse the word, but engineering because I work with engineers every day, and you know you guys are you know it's 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 a great thing to see when you guys have a love and a passion for something what you do you have a love and a passion for this and you can very much tell uh, I, and i love how you know your, your your aircraft are phenomenal they are and, and i i don't know if that's you know if that's because it's the engineering you or it's the background from where you're located and the people that you were around for all those years as john and you talked about earlier because you're throwing out names there that are just like massive in this hobby and you know it's such an honor and such it's so neat for me who i'm not an aircraft guy and, and i see guys like you and i see what you you produce and it's it's phenomenal it, as i looked at your f-16s pictures i was looking at the rivet patterns in the panels and i'm like how does that happen you know and it's just it, 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 i have the kit and i opened up the kit and looked at it and i'm like no 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 you know, that's just, I'm very impressed. And it's very impressive to see how you take this hobby to a different level than 99% of us. I mean, you, 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 you create more with a piece of sheet styrene and a scriber than 99% of the people do with whatever they, whatever they're working. And it's impressive to see. Oh, wow. That, that's, that's <laughs> quite, <laughs> that's quite a compliment. I'm not sure yeah. I can accept all of that, but I, I really appreciate that. Going back to uh, just Toronto area proper, there's, yeah. uh, and going back to this gentleman, John Wong, that, that, I, that I mentioned, he's known to take air fixed pieces of shit. And you no, know, he'll take frog kits, he'll take a bar of soap, and he would do something magnificent out of it. And that that's the type of persona that I grew up around, you know, like, like, like people like Harvey Lowe, who I think he's one of the very few who has gotten like best aircraft, best ship, and best armor mm -hmm. at. You no know, various RPMS nationals, and they've inspired me uh, in the technical work they do. But they also inspire me by the work that they do that are not appreciated. You know, I, I, we've this. I'm going to digress into like recognition. Eh? So, so like there was there was a discussion about about contests and and what is recognized and what is not recognized. And I think a lot of what we do as model builders are not recognized or appreciated by others just because it's not you know, our own child uh, i can i can spend two weeks or a month or two months on a cockpit of an f-16 and then on average i think it's five ten seconds of people will stare into it before moving on to some other parts of the model right i think that's that's one thing uh to actually do work that people will recognize but but to do work well where other people will not recognize when they even see it if i go and like take i'm going gonna go back to panel lines because we're talking about panel lines what I aim to achieve with scribing and panel lining is to reproduce one that is consistent with the rest of the kit. 
because that's what I want to do. I want to I want to make sure that my work is basically seamless and disappears into the background, so that you will not look at a finished model and know that there is a panel line that is is being added. So if you look at this, like it's I I know where that joint is. It's it's sort of blended in, right? It's not as obvious. So if I do something really well like this, let's say if Mr. John Wang goes and take a piece of aircraft, uh, airfix aircraft model kit from the 1950s and does work like this, unless you know how the kit came out of uh, no, the box was, you're going to put this down beside a, a contemporary Samia kit with kit panel lines. And they're going to look the same in terms of like how exquisite the surface details are. Right, so so in that sense, the, your your handiwork may not be appreciated or recognized, but that's okay because this is what I want to do on my model. This is the the excellence that I want to uh, that I want to pursue, and 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 I th- I think to to have been around model builders who have honed their craft in such a humble way as to not be overtly showy or to do it so well that unless you know what they've gone through, you're not going to appreciate. No, it's that sort of that instills in me a sort of integrity in my model that I can that I can be uh, content with and comfortable with, and I now don't have I don't have to compare myself with other model builders. I don't have to compare myself with I may enforce myself to achieve so that I can win a war, for instance, or I can I can be the most detailed out there of all the options I can I can get. I don't have to use the most detailed aftermarket sets, for instance. I can I can I can hang scratch build something that in ways that is is my own. It's I'm not sure if I'm making sense, but no, you know, like that, it's, yeah, it's that absolutely. I mean, you don't need any external validation because you're getting the validation that you need because it's fueled by your passion. Exactly. I mean, um, I, I love, this is really fascinating. I want to go back to this, this picture of your F-16 and, and, you know, uh, blending that infamous seam on the Tamiya kit. And, and, you know, you talked about storytelling. Well, you've used in this picture, you've got parts of the model that are in gray and parts of the model that are in white. And so, not only are you presenting a really nice, detailed, sharp photograph, but you're telling the story to the viewer who, like you said, they may not know what they're looking at, but because of the way that you're presenting it and you're telling that story, now all of a sudden they can see what you see. You're not only sharing your model, you're sharing your passion. You're saying, let me let me present it to you in a way that you can see what it is I'm looking for. Yeah, the vision. You're sharing the vision is what I'm seeing too. Uh, what Scott said, 100. percent You know, and it, it, you you're making 100 percent sense. You're not rambling. <laughs> it, it's great. You guys are too kind. I, I really appreciate it. And, and uh, yeah, so so yeah, so I, I I'm I'm very very thankful for uh, for the community that I have. Um, you know, here in Toronto area. I mean, to your point, it, it could actually be the water here. We do have a nuclear power plant you know, start <laughs> up the street. So I don't know. We, we could all be mutants of some sort. <laughs> have you been bit by any radioactive spiders or bed bugs? Or any? <laughs> Not yet, but I'm looking at a spider right now in my basement. So. Uh, his, his scriber is tipped with radium and he nicked himself one day. So. <laughs> So, John, you know, we just showed that picture, that nice crisp panel line. This is a very tactical question, actually, I've had in my mind since you shared the photo. So going back Uh-oh. to the shuttle, you show, you know, you beautifully scribed and built that forward, uh, what is it, OCS module, essentially, that's going to slot into the forward nose section. 
Yeah, the RCS, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The RCS. Reactive control system. Yeah, yeah, the RCS system. So I got to ask, how are you going to blend it? Because right now you have it popped in and there's, oh, okay, so you started doing it already? No, it's not. It's a little peep together. Okay, okay. Because I was just like, there's so much scribing and there's, dare I say, misalignment there. I'm like, how are you, are you going to read, are you going to, I guess, blend it in and then scribe? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so everything fitted well initially right because this this yeah. four rcs section was actually part of you no know, each fuselage half so so yeah. i know that it's going to go back well i didn't change the contour of this piece so it will go back well mm-hmm. it's just that right now it doesn't look like it okay uh and also that that large seam line over there it's there is actually a large gap on the the actual space shuttle it's, okay. it's filled in by ceramic uh rope ah. uh that seals it so i i i mean it's i i do in, i do envision that i will have to address it in some ways, uh, but I mean, it's not—it's not the first time I have to describe hundreds of tiles. It's—it's it's, in the grand scheme of things, it's—it's it's not a big deal. <laughs> this is a definitely a judgment call of do I prescribe some details or do I not before I have a chance to install and blend things together. This—the tiles are so intricately related to each other, just from adjacent standpoint. It's a uh, Unless you have, unless I have all the tiles drawn out with pencil on a an area or a piece like this, I don't put a scriber to it because I would I would definitely have to change it. A single tile that is offset by just a little bit can offset something that is you no know, ten tiles down in terms of its like positioning yeah. or aspect ratio, and you just look it just look wrong to me effect, anyway. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So 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 this is. So, so, so this is why, uh, if you look at uh, a little bit uh, further up on the actual fuselage joint, there are large, uh, large areas of yeah, those areas of uh, lines are already marked in for where the blankets are. I just didn't scribe the interior. Yeah, I had to pre-position the blankets so that I know that you know, all the other uh, details relative to those blanket positions will be correct. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's tricky. <laughs> so you know what's interesting is we talk a lot about the scribing and the construction aspect of it. I, I'd love to maybe look into the future and talk about painting it and more specifically all those damn decals. How many decals for each tile are you going to have to put on this? Order? One decal for each tile. And how many is that? Like thousands, tens of thousands? Ah, there's like 25, 30,000 <laughs> tiles on the shuttle. Uh, the blankets themselves also have serial numbers. So the blankets will have tiles as well. That's aggressive. Uh, you, yeah. You you are a madman. And I mean that in the absolutely the best way possible. You are a madman. <laughs> it's it's you know, it's it really sucks because the tiles are just small enough to be a pain, but not small enough that you can you no know, get do away, away with, with, it. Yeah. with it. Yeah, you you just have to. Like visually, if you look at how the colorations are, you, you, you can't you can't, can't get away from it, yeah. Can't fake it. If you want to do it right, if you really want to, if I really want to do it right and bring out the essence of how the space shuttle look, like like this picture, for instance, like the deal. If I just if I just put decals or if I just pencil in the tile lines, because there are people that draw in their panel lines as opposed to scribing, you wouldn't get the natural lighting over here that shows up the effect so well, right? Like that's why right. you need to take advantage of. I can just paint this thing white, and the yeah. lighting itself will be able to bring out the the character of the of the thermal protection system. In fact, at wedding on top of it, then you'll be even more realistic. So it's, it's, I'm just going to take this one step at a time. <laughs> I'm probably going to have to do a lot more experimentation. That's why I brought it up because I, I, you know, we, 
we see the phenomenal scratch work that we've talked about the whole episode, but I think sometimes people feel, fail to realize that it, it ain't over until it's over in a sense. And the next major step is detail painting and, you know, marking every single tile. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, so weathering is going to be very interesting. It's, it's, it's discoloration, but discoloration that happens in, in a lot of layers. Yeah. Uh, discoloration that happen, uh, via the interaction of the surface geometries. So if, if you look at, I don't have a picture here right now, but if you zoom into, say, like the tiles on the nose, like the chin over there, there are little streaks on the actual space shuttle that are weathering, not from, not from paint or dirt. But there, the gaps burns. between the reentry burns come from the gaps between the tiles themselves that gets yeah. deposited on the adjacent tiles. Yeah. Right. Right. So like it's, it's characteristics like that, that, mm-hmm. uh, that will be a little tricky for me to be able to replicate because I literally have to go in with a paintbrush and draw like reentry burn streaks for like 25,000 right. tiles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and John if too, I more. mean, I think it's interesting. And you can probably correct me if I'm wrong, but you'll also have a unique dynamic between newer tiles, older tiles, newer thermal blankets, older thermal blankets, because it they don't all get replaced. They're they're individually inspected and then replaced as needed, correct? Or am I am I incorrect? Yeah, there? you're you're correct. Yeah. So you okay. have field of darker black tiles, for instance, that are newer. You have a um, field of whiter, lighter, uh, light tile uh, light lighter colored black tiles are older the older tiles have yellow markings that came from the palmdale factory the newer ones mm. have white tile white markings for instance so you know like yeah. it's details like this that i really like putting so i i'm gonna digress a little bit more i really like putting details in there that you kind of have to know to appreciate it's almost like easter eggs yeah Right, like it, the, the the CF eighteen I finished recently. I put a little Tim Hortons mug. Timbits, I love it. Timbits, yeah. Yeah. like like nobody nobody knows what the Timbits are until you've had a box of Timbits, right? Yeah. So so like I, for me to be able to put like tile markings that are yellow versus white, and at the exact same, I'm just I wanna I wanna I, I'm just hoping that one day some guy that's worked on a shuttle or flew on a shuttle will look at a part of the space shuttle and be like. Yeah, those tiles really are yellow and white because I was standing right there <laughs> yeah. by the hatch and they were white on this one and like yellow on the other one, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that, that makes me smile because that makes me feel like they understand how much care and attention I put into my models. Yeah. You can see the yellow on the, on the rear on this picture that you have from the Smithsonian. You can see some of that discoloration like this. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So you see like the forward roll, there's sort of a frame around the yellow ones. Right. And then there's a forward roll of tiles. Yeah, right. These are little white arrows that point forward. So oh, wow. The is forward. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't know if you ever realized it before. I haven't until maybe six months ago. I was researching stuff for the wings. I'm like, wow, those are new decals. I have to like drawn up for these areas. <laughs> so it's kind of stupid proof. So you know exactly which way to put the, the things on because evidently <laughs> someone put them on the wrong way. So they have to put the arrows on them now to make sure they go the right way. So, I mean, that's great. I love that. Speaking about a little bit of humor, maybe. John, have you ever seen the uh, the 747 that transports the orbiter with the have you ever seen it up close? Yeah, like black side down. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The mounts for the <laughs> orbiter. Somebody put, yeah, yeah. put black side down. <laughs> like black side of the space shuttle down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, this is great. I, oh, I, wow. I love stuff like that. If I were to build uh, so I'm not building a 72nd scale 
747. But if I were to, I, I would put that in there. <laughs> Just for shit and giggles. <laughs> John, we've talked about the exterior a lot. You've hinted at the interior. How how much depth are you going to go into? Are you going to do the essentially the the you know the the cargo bay and and the cockpit, or what are your thoughts there in terms of showing off what's inside the shuttle? I the hardest part is to decide what mission I want to do because they're all different. Yeah, it's most likely going to be a post-Columbia flight because I want to do the OBSS, the over the boom sensor system. So for those that don't know, the space shuttle has a uh, an arm, a robotic arm called the Canada arm. It's on the left side, so the port side of the uh, cargo bay. Since Columbia, they've essentially repurposed another arm to be installed on the right-hand side, and that gets picked up by the first arm. Now you have an extra long arm with a sensor on the tip of the second arm that essentially has a set of uh, scanners, like laser scanners and whatnot, that goes around and checks all the tiles for good condition before they attempt re-entry. Uh, so I want to do that arm, I want to do that boom system, just because I, I work with uh, a few engineers that have worked on it back in back in their days. So it'll be a nice tribute to them. Uh, yeah, so every mission is different in terms of its cargo layout, cargo constituency. So I, I, I want to I be able to decide on what I want to do in terms of the interior. That won't add another 20 years to my build time frame, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, but I mean, co- cockpit is pretty simplistic. It's, it's pretty small. The windows are pretty small, so you can't really see into it. Uh, so the cockpit should be not too big of a deal, hopefully. I don't think you can even see the instrument panels once it's all put together. So I don't know if we've explicitly addressed it, but I certainly see pictures on here. You mentioned Discovery. Is there a specific bird that you're doing? Yes, it's Discovery. And uh, I, I've because I've been working on this model for two, three years now, like in earnest, uh, there are posts going back probably a year, year and a half that talks about the specifics of Discovery that I've implemented on this model in terms of tile layout and whatnot that makes it unique from the other orbiters. You're going to, we're looking for listeners. We're looking at a uh, cockpit picture and John is intending to scratch build all of the little knobs as well. He just hasn't said it yet. It's just, it's just amazing. I mean, just again, uh, listeners, please make sure you go to scale scriber and look at John's work and look at his photo gallery. And then you can pick your jaw up off of the floor like we're doing. So um, that's a great way to, as you're listening to this podcast, kind of get some great perspective. You guys are way too kind. <laughs> way too kind. Uh, we we just know good work when we see it. We know great, <laughs> great passion when we see it. I mean, you need to, you need to do like, I, I would pay a lot of money to have you make a presentation on this, like show... Yeah. All of these photos show your references and then show your work. And I mean, these stories, I mean, this interview can go 16 hours and we wouldn't even scratch the surface of, you know, kind of what we're seeing here. You need to do a book, John. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But it's just carry all the information. Says the guy that's going to hand apply how many decals to his model? <laughs> Oh, at least are- it's all the same thing, right? It's the mindless work. If you yeah. try to curate a yeah. book, that's real work. Yeah. <laughs> and plus, yeah. if you if I want to do a book, now I have to see if I can actually get a license and publish the photo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just no. This is social media, right? So it's the wild west. So I can just download a photo from someone's Flickr on a space shuttle, annotate it up, and 
close to here. Well, I mean, we can spend all day on this, John, but I, I, I just wanted to, I mean, you, you mentioned to me in our phone call the other day that you need a break from the shuttle. So you decided to hop on kind of a, what JB would call a slammer build. So you pull out an F-18 Hornet and nine months later, <laughs> you've got a completed model. So, uh, you know, obviously you're working on this 16. Uh, what else is maybe on your bench for the future? And, you know, what's, uh, what's kind of, uh, what else is in the queue? Oh, man. So I, did you mention that, uh, previously that I, I have a problem with not finishing models? It's, uh, I, you guys noticed the trend that CF 18 was, uh, was from my shelf of doom. And so is this a 16. So I, I've been thinking recently that I actually have not started a brand new model kit in probably five years. I don't actually remember how it feels like to open up a model kit that I just <laughs> bought. I would cut up on the bags and start slipping at the screws. I don't remember how that feels. Yeah, John, because... have you ever heard of a concept called out of the box? Yeah, I have. <laughs> well, I mean, the parts started coming out of the box, but... <laughs> <laughs> they tend to go somewhere. <laughs> they tend to go down a rabbit hole. I just take them out of the box, you know. I just like find a rabbit hole in my backyard and just like throw them in there. Um, but yeah, like I the, the standing joke among some of my model friends is that I'm 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 incapable. I'm physically incapable of building something out of the box. It's it's so easy, right? You you you, you put together an ejection seat. And you're just like, oh, I just spend five minutes with some epoxy putting. There goes something in the scratch build seat belts, and another five minutes. Oh, there are something in the scratch build ejection seat pole rings, and no, oh look, I have some photo edge I bought from Ennis that has uh, buckles I can put on there. And next thing you know, your seat is no longer out of the box. And you, you know, if I if I try to uh to to join two parts together, oh no, I will, I'll just I have needle. I'll just add a few more rivets on this panel and. No, and it just snowballs from there, eh? So, well, uh, let's talk about maybe like outside of your cumber zone. I mean, do you ever have a desire to like do a vignette or paint a figure? Do you mentioned that you've got at least a passing interest in gunpla? I mean, is there something that maybe outside of your aerospace slash space interest area that you might be diving into at some point? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I grew up with Gunpla, actually. It's my, it's my first foray into scale modeling or, or hobby of model building. And I've been trying to get back a little bit more recently. Uh, by getting back, I mean, I, I picked up some kits like a year ago. I touched it for like two, two, two weeks and I put it back, back down. But I, it's something that I, I hope that I would get back into it one day. It's just such a antithesis to the genre of aircraft modeling. You know, it's a, it's, there's a lot of, uh, from a technical standpoint, there is a lot of techniques and implementations and the way to go about painting parts before or after things go together. It's a little like, you no, know, you'll paint things more after things go together in the armor world and the aircraft world. In the Gunpla community, uh, there's a lot of tools, for instance, and materials and painting products that are geared towards that side of the hobby that I, I think I would benefit from learning and exploring with uh, in the same way that, uh, you know, like Vallejo or Warhammer are more geared towards brush painting, for instance, uh, speaking from a, a paint and finish standpoint. Yeah, so I, I think I think from a, an accuracy standpoint or authenticity standpoint, there seems to be a lot more, there is actually a lot more creativity involved in building Gunpla because it's, it's just what it is, right? It, it's fantasy. It's, it's mecha. It's, it's, 
it's it encourages people to be a lot more individual and be creative towards how they will execute a certain subject matter. So I think that's something that I would like to step my toe into uh, in the near future. It just it's scary you know, every time I attempt something new in hobby or at work or in my personal life. It's it's scary, but it's. It's also fun, right? It's like a muscle that you don't practice. Like being able to learn something new that not, I'm not good at, it, it keeps it keeps me humble and keeps me grounded. Doing the scribing work that you're doing with a needle. I mean, scribing is literally like why I don't do more aircraft because it's so hard to do. And yet you're just, anyway, I would love to see you get more creative and, and you know, see some of your gunplay and, and some of your figure painting and everything. I think you, you probably would, you know, knowing you, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> Thanks. I, I appreciate that. I think, you know what, if I were ever to get into more uh, gunpla or figure painting, I would also need to uh, add a whole new paint line to my repertoire <laughs> because I don't have anything that's uh, conducive to actual brush painting. I can look at some of the, uh, the AK Gen 3 stuff. I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really good for brush painting. That's what I've been, I've been hearing and seeing. So I, I wouldn't mind uh, um, dipping my toes more into that. Yeah, John. So great point there. So real quick, with you know, with AK third gen, they are great paints. I I think you could do the same with Vallejo. You know, they're they're almost dare I say interchangeable in a sense. So yeah, try it, experiment, and uh, we'll have to connect you with Cobra Plot. He's a he's a great supporter of the pod. He just did. He's like gunpla master wouldn't you say scott he's good with it yeah so we'll, definitely we'll make- he's doing a buddy build with uh, rick lawler um i don't know if you ever watch rick's uh propaganda channel but uh rick is an armor builder and he has elbowed him into the gunpla community <laughs> it's, it, but uh, nice it's, yeah it's great but yeah josh is a, a absolutely great gunpla builder from seattle so shout out to him but yeah check him out and check out rick's uh build if you get a chance Awesome, I will. Yeah, you know what? Like, I'm sorry. You know, I'm 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 really really thrilled to see the explosion of Gumpla or the receptiveness of Gumpla in in I guess the Western Hemisphere. For for us kids that grew up, at least I grew up part of my life building Gumpla, and it was you know it's it's it was not a surprise for me to open up a a kit and see a sprue of three or four different mixed colors that pre-injected together with each other, right? And still fit with with extreme precision. That was unheard of for a lot of the, uh, I guess, more traditional modeling folks. Now, come on, um, John. You remember Matchbox. <laughs> Matchbox, yes. I remember, uh, I remember, uh, I remember th- throwing those into the, the bonfire. <laughs> oh, man. You you remember the different color? They what, do like three or four different color sprues, gray, green, brown. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they used to put them out in bags as well, right? Bag, yeah. bag kids. Yeah. But the Matchbox was a big, like, I want to say 70s, probably into the 80s, you know, brand. Um, I'm sure Harvey Lowe's built his fair share, probably has still a bunch <laughs> left. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, going back, speaking of checking things out, John, if our listeners want to find you, tell us again uh, where we can find you online. Where- On Instagram and Facebook. Uh, my handle is scalescriber, one word, at scalescriber. Uh, and I usually duplicate my posts on Facebook and on Instagram. Just so I note that you know, some people prefer one platform versus the other. I'm on social media. Um, feel free to hit me up. Uh, send me a message. I try to respond as uh, punctually as I can. And yeah, and love to hear from from the folks. And yeah, thank you so much for the plug. Yeah, I look forward to hopefully uh, uh, Madison in 2024. I think you mentioned Texas probably wouldn't happen, but 
love to see you maybe hit you at a Nats and maybe uh, the three of us uh, can get up to a Heritage Con and bump into you up there, meet you in person and, you know, uh, can't wait to see what these models look like to the naked eye. You know, cameras are great, but models always look better in person, in my opinion, so. Yeah, thanks. You get you guys ever come up? Drinks on me. <laughs> there you go. That sounds great. <laughs> we would we would have been we would have been at Heritage Con this year. Unfortunately, it just fell on the same weekend as the local Colorado show out here. Yeah. So, but hopefully next year we can deconflict that because I would love to get back there. Yeah, I'd love a, to have you back. That's a dream show for my. It's my bucket. One of my bucket list shows just to see some of the aircraft there too. So it's and, I can't want to go. And we'll take a picture where you know we both know each other. And uh, you know, the same crew, right? Yeah, yeah. Not want to like shiv me, like who the hell is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) We just look the same, but all of us have a few more gray hairs, (laughs) (laughs) maybe a few extra pounds. (laughs) Yeah, Um, there you go, right? It sounds great, John. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's been great, great conversations, guys. That was a lot of fun talking to John. Um, check him out, Scale Scriber on Facebook and also on Instagram. Uh, his work is amazing. You can check out, we, we discussed a lot of photos of the shuttle in that interview. You can check those out over at his Facebook page. Are you a member of the Plastic Posse Facebook page? You should be. We have lots and lots of friends there, and they're always uploading pictures and, and questions for the group, pictures of their builds, questions on how to how to attack new projects. And it's a lot of fun, some great interaction. You should all give it a try. Remember that you can send your feedback and suggestions to us via email at plasticpossepodcast at gmail.com. I think we're ready for a uh, another discussion. Uh, JB, what do you have for us? Thanks, Doug. We'll keep this one brief because we've certainly gone on pretty long for this episode. But this is this is still this is still related to the IPMS Nationals. And you know, if you've been if you haven't been to the Nats, that's totally fine because this this relates to all shows. And I posed a question online around why do people go to model shows? And I and the hashtag I'd love for people to use is why I go. And the whole intent of this question is really to understand and highlight the true importance of the model show or model convention, you know, the exhibition, the display. And, you know, there's been a lot of commotion online, as we've hinted at before in the show, and certainly you can find it on Facebook. But I think it's really important that we don't forget why we go. And I asked this question online, and we got some fantastic responses. I'd like to highlight a few, and then I'd love to go around the room just for a brief statement on why you go. From my co-hosts, and then ultimately, I want to end with a question that might be uh, that might be a little interesting to know the answer to. And we have a couple proof points to show, you know, how something could look. So I'd love to highlight a few people that contributed to this discussion on Facebook. We've certainly had a lot of responses and a, just a lot of positive feedback. I want to start with Martin Holst. Hashtag Why I Go. I only recently restarted the hobby after a long pause. At first, I was a classic solitary modeler. And that will always be a part of who I am. I think we can all agree to that. In 2022, I intended to go to SMC, but COVID intervened. Later that year, more or less, the spur of the moment, I decided last minute to go to the national IPMS show in Hutton. I was awestruck. Not only a huge amount of great models to admire, but I learned that it was super easy to engage other folks and talk models. This seems to be our universal language. 
and I loved it. I don't yet have all the these great friend picks, but I, I'll leave you with the first image that caught my eye when I entered the building. At that point, I knew I was sold. And Martin shared an awesome picture of the show with a bunch of people, and he says, cheers from Holland. That's just one example. A few more I'd love to highlight and then pass around the room is Winston Gold. Here's why, hashtag why I go. The friends, both old and new, that have a common interest and spend time catching up. I also look forward to the works of art that are on display, whether beginner or master of their craft, from the 2023 Amps International Convention at Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. Thank you for that, Winston. Also highlight our good buddy, iBones Models, uh, hashtag why I go. This is from last year, but it's what gets me to go the next year. And it's just a picture of good friends. Lee Fogel contributed, Matthew Johnson, who we had the pleasure of hanging out with, MD Models, which is our good friend, Martin Drayton, and then also JC Osborne, a special, got to highlight JC. He was a constant fixture in at the IPMS Nats as well. Uh, just a great friend, great supporter of the podcast. And we've known him for a very long time and super grateful to meet him in person. I think we can all agree he was a little bit taller than what we expected. Um, <laughs> But, you know, other folks that contributed as well as Jeremy Elliott and a list goes on and on. I think I want to pull out some consistencies between these posts. They focus on the people. The images that they posted were not of models, but the friends that they had at the model show. So I think that's very interesting. I'd love to go around the room to get a brief input on why, why do you go? And then I'll end with that question. So with that, I'll start off with our guest. We're going to go out to the Pacific Northwest to start. Jim Bates, why do you go? It's all been sad. I go to hang out with my friends. You know, I think I've mentioned this to you before, JB, that we all come to your house for Commies Fest. Commies Fest is, is a cool show, but it's just a small local show. But I'm there because you guys are all there. And it is awesome that we have this group of people we have fun with, and it's always growing. Couldn't agree more. Aaron Cook, why do you go? I was thinking back to many years ago when I went to model shows and literally went in, never talked to anyone, looked at the show, left, went home and was like happy. I was like, went to the vendor room and saw the contests and thought that was it. And and I think now to the, the time I spent last year at Omaha and this year in San Marcos, and you could have never opened up the vendor room or the contest room and I still would have had a blast. It's all about the friends. I can't, I, I really can't even imagine going to a show unless my friends are there now. It's just... That's what it's about. That's what it should be about. And it's just, it's amazing that there's this group of people that for, you know, probably 360 days out of the year, uh, you know, I only see or talk to online, but then maybe a couple of days out of the year, uh, we get together and just, it's like we're brothers and have always been together. And it's, it's just fantastic. And that that's what I look forward to every year. That's what I have fond memories of from past years. This year, there's a big hole in my heart from our good friend, Ian can't do math and uh you know is uh, expecting a child should have thought of this nine months ago ian but uh you know you were missed this year but congratulations to you as we might even have a, a young ian on the way today as far as we know because it's they're due any time but uh, uh you know just you know not having him there was you know it just was somewhat telling to me how close uh you all are to me that you know how how much he was missed uh, and so uh, that to me is everything. It's just the friendship. 1000%. Mike, why do you go? It's absolutely the people. Um, whether it's, you know, you guys that I've met and people I've known for a while, or even just sitting there at Steve's booth and talking to people, passing things on, making new friends, uh, huge. My airport buddies, Bruce and Evan and the voice of Bob getting stuck in the airport and talking with them as well as Radu. Just those things. The fact you get to meet people like Rick Lawler 
and talk with him. And then the next morning when you go down to where you've been working on stuff, there's a brand new sheet of balsa foam that says, with love from Rick. Rick's gift to me was awesome. I don't want to even use it because just such cool moments with the people. I still like the vendors though, too. Love it. We, we all love the vendors. Certainly my wallet does. With that, I'm going to go to uh, the PPP host. Grant, why do you go? Yeah, it's been said before. It's the, the friends. Uh, I think, you know, seeing you guys, seeing everybody here, seeing all of our friends in the posse, seeing everyone. But I also think it's the big thing is me- making new friends, the, the meeting the new people there, talking to people, seeing these the excitement, seeing the the joy, seeing the kids, uh, the kids there that are, some are standoffish, some are not, some are very vibrant, some are not, you know, and just seeing that and, you know, remembering myself as that age and, you know, with my dad and stuff. And, you know, and I, it's such a great situation when you can post a question like this and you don't see a single model. You don't see anything like that. All you see is pictures of guys just hanging out and girls and, 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 you know, and it's just, it's, that's what it's about. It's the friendship. hundred percent. I think I might get the same answer, but I got to go to Doug. I go for the weather. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, there's only one. There's always one. (laughs) There was Texas weather. There was Omaha weather, which was muggy and hot. And then we did Vegas in the middle of the summer two years ago. So, you know, I go for the weather. Actually, I am a super introverted person. I I don't really put myself out there much, but I got to the hotel on Tuesday evening about two hours before my my room was supposed to be available to me. So I sent a message out on the Posse Facebook page and said, if anybody's here, I'm down sitting sitting in near the lobby with my stuff. Then uh, next thing I know, I'm running into I ran into Mike and Steve Munsell and and John Everett. Bruce Worrell comes down and then, and, and then we run into John Everett and I end up in the bar with, with Bruce and the Bradleys come over and I'm sitting there shooting the breeze with them and and others for three and a half, four hours. We just sat and talked. So definitely the people just, just how welcoming it is, how much, how good I feel. Cause like I said, I'm an introvert and they, uh, I don't, I don't feel that way. I don't feel out of place when I'm when I'm in this in this crowd. Um, it's just a wonderful experience. It's a great feeling. And I was kicking myself. I mean, I wasn't kicking myself because I was there, but I'm I'm at the show for less than an hour already saying I can't believe I almost didn't come. I almost didn't go to the show and I would have really, really regretted it. Totally understand. Scott, our leader. Why do you go? You know, obviously the answer is the same. You know, it's it's uh talking until two o'clock in the morning with Rob and, and Barry and Joan and, and Hank and Carrie and Dan, uh, Noffel. it's getting to, to meet Lucy Colasanti. It's, um, seeing Charlie Schaefer again. It's, it's, uh, you know, ha- having friends like John Everett do, do what he did. And, um, you know, I mean, Aaron, Aaron and, and Mike, and, you know, you guys, I mean, I only get to see you once a year, you know, and, and not only that, but we get to be in a place where we all speak the same language and we have something in common that that's almost on a language level. Seeing, seeing Jim and John Vickis and Tim Nelson and on and on and on and on, you know, just it's the people. I mean, by far, there's nothing as great as the convention is and was, there's nothing there that competes with, you know, uh, picking up Aaron from the airport, and 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 seeing him again after a year that's that's where it's at so anyway 
Hell yeah, I feel the same way. Why I go is exactly like all my co-hosts said here today. It's all about the people. There's nothing that compares to it. And I'd encourage everyone, you know, go to a model show, go to a go to a convention, uh, go to a meeting. Uh, and and don't be afraid to you know reach out online as well. I think I think there's a component of this is maybe not only why I go, but why do I engage? You know, you don't need to be physically there to find a friend, and that's been proven time and time again within the Plastic Posse group where we connect in the virtual world, and then all of a sudden we're having Korean barbecue and going to a hobby shop uh, on a weeknight outside a uh, you know in Colorado. So I, I think uh, I'd love to learn more. Please feel free to share. I think I think we pretty much maybe know the answer of everybody, but feel free to share your your thoughts on why I go on our Facebook page. And and with that, I do want to end with a single question. And this kind of culminates in a lot of things we've talked about, uh, but I think it's a really important one. And one of us probably has the most unique experience with this, but I'd love to end the question. And I'd certainly ask our audience as well. It's obvious that we go to model shows for the people. So if the show was display only, would you still go to the convention? And I'd ask us maybe to go in reverse order and I'll polish us off. Simple answer is fine. Scott, what do you think? Absolutely. Doug, your thoughts? Yep, I'm there. Grant? 100%. Nuke Man? Definitely. And I have. Heck yeah, man. Aaron? 100%. Yep. And Mr. Bates, maybe uh, maybe you have a unique perspective on this. and Maybe tell our, tell our listeners if they don't know already. Not only would I go, I run one. So, February <laughs> in Seattle. Come on down to Model Mania. It'll be awesome. Fantastic. And I fall in the same boat. Hell yes. Emphatically. So, listeners, we'd love to hear your feedback too. If the model show was display only, would you attend? With that, I'm going to turn it over to Grant to take us through the Posse merch. All right, it's that time. If you would like to rep the posse, you can check out all of our awesome merch at our Triple P Spring page. You can find coffee mugs, t-shirts, jumpers, and even the world-famous PPP lounge trousers. You can order all your stylish Plastic Posse merch on the web at plastic-posse-podcast.creator-spring.com. I would like to thank all the individuals out there sporting our stuff at Nationals this year. It was great to see all you guys walking around with the Plastic Posse t you can also find our merch page at loungetrousers.com. Well, everybody, this has been awesome. I want to thank Aaron, Nukeman, and our good friend, Mr. Bates, in the Jim Bates special guest chair for joining us. Most of them on very, very short notice. Thanks a lot for joining in. It was a lot of fun uh, hanging out at Nats, and thanks for joining us for the episode. Please send us your feedback on what we've talked about. If you have a gripe, if you got a complaint, or you just want to comment on our discussions, Plastic Posse Podcast at gmail.com. That's going to be a wrap on episode 75. I can't believe I just said that of the Plastic Posse. We want to thank all of you for your support. We want to thank our awesome sponsors, AK Interactive, Tamiya USA, Bases by Bill, Tankcraft, Value Gear Details. Thank you so much for supporting us and what we do. Thank you to our Posse Patreons. Our get-togethers at Nats were awesome. Hopefully, if you guys aren't Patreons, consider joining that and uh, come you know, hang out with us at a show. If you haven't joined the Plastic Posse group page on Facebook, please do. Interact with us. Give us your comments. Send us pictures of your build. That's how we interact with everybody. We'd love to see what you're working on. We'll see you all in two weeks. And I guess there's only one thing left to say. I'm going to turn it over to the master, Doug. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, buddy.
If you'd like to support the Triple P and become a Plastic Posse Outrider, it's super easy. Just go on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Plastic Posse Podcast and set up a recurring donation there. These contributions help offset the cost of bringing the Triple P every two weeks. There are three different tiers of support starting at just a buck a month and you get some great benefits from it, from pictures to techniques and a little bit of everything in between. This is a chance to appear on the podcast and get exclusive PPP content as well. So let's recognize our amazing high-flying deputy marshals. These guys ride the range every month and do a great job. We have Dan Newman, Robert Bloker, Tyler Moore, Derek Post, Craig Flynn, Brian Kreiner, Scale Modelcraft, Ken Childress, Nick Butta, Drew Gardner, Scott Hall, Tim Holm, Frank Perone, The Voice of Bob, Jeremy Diamond, Ryan Smith, Terry Wilkinson, Chris Lovewell, Andrew Callis, Ethan Eidmill, Bruce the Model Noob, Steve Baker, Eric DeGleish, Joe Porche, Patrick Brown, Steve Schaefer, Jay Kidd, Brandon Gentry, Robert Klein, Mark Ewing, Ted Kalahara, Toad Man, Model Doc, Doug Reed, Greg James, Les Wakala, B Cold 1911, John Everett, Josh Buck, Black Rifle Model Works, Thomas Bannock, Mark Bradley, Zach Pease, Joel Munson, Eric Brubaker, Jeremy Moore, DB Scale Model Studio, Matthew Johnson, Jeremy Elliott, Make Tally, Previous Seat, Mediocre Middle Aged Modeler, Dan Nofel, and JC Osborne. Thank you, gentlemen. Let's also recognize our excellent posse foremen. These foremen are outriders who give our deputy marshals a hand keeping fences mended and horses fed. Jeff, Eddie, Ross, George, Gary, Wharf Models, Drew, Ross, Eric, Len, Cliff, Eric, Mike, Papa Steve, Logan, Red Beach One Studios, and Models, JV, uh, Damon, Farron, Cody, Tim, Nukeman Mike, Greg, uh, J-A-K, Ash, Irish Pat, Paul. What's the deal with eye models? Mr. Grizz, Jackson, Make Armor, Chris, Lee, and Jamie. And of course, our posse outriders. We appreciate all of you, including Cameron Corliss and John Fluck. Thanks for joining. And please consider posting a review of the Triple P on the podcast platform that you use. Every five-star review helps modelers find the plastic posse. One more read before we're done. Go for it. I was just going to suggest check out the Plastic Posse podcast YouTube channel where you'll see reviews occasionally from people on the podcast and some a scale Canadian TV guy look for a new review this week i don't know if it'll be to me a goodness or something rubicon whoa that's a tease <laughs> teaser thank, thank you guys aaron thank you so much <laughs> mike thank you so much jim thank you for having me it. pleasure all right adios Bye-bye, take care aaron. hey folks take care